balls. We all lean once the coin guitars got the kind of action. Yo, Never hey, acting, hey, I don't need later. to scramble I'll to get traction. We make it happen. From three fours to four threes. The founder of Slapdick Podcast, Slapdick uh, Whiskey, Slapdick Cigars, and the author of uh, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jason Brown. Straight, no chaser, real raw and uncut. Coach, every time you come on, I laugh, I learn something, and then I fear that somebody's going to be incredibly pissed off with what you said. All around hustlers. Make no mistake about it. I've done this a long time. I'm trying to eliminate this soft society we have. They're legends. Hey, me now, love me later, like my book says. This is presented by Slapdick Whiskey. Hell yeah. Slapdick Whiskey's good, so are the Stogies. Some real talk. I'll be real good flavor. On these things, the burn is excellent. Beautiful burn. Gotta be in the show to get a get a win, get a chance to win. Slapdick Whiskey, Slapdick Cigars. Be true to yourself and see if 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 some shit changes for the for the worse or for the better. They asked me to do a podcast. They said let's call it the Slapdick Podcast. What up, what up, what up? YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, everybody that's listening. I'm on TikTok Live once again. Uh, I'm here in the show. Come on through. Appreciate everybody joining uh, on YouTube Live. Got a great show today lined up on this Hate Me Now, Love Me Later show. Um, Make sure you come on over, hit the like button, subscribe. I got former PGA and current PGA golfer legendary guy, um, Mark Kalkovecchia. He'll be joining the show today in about 30 minutes. And I got Dari Noka. If you don't know who that is, it's ESPN SEC analyst, uh, host of uh, the SEC um, network. Um, He'll be joining us, talk all things football, Heisman voting, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So... Come on over and join in and hit the uh, hit the hit the likes of uh, the great 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 golfers, the great sports analysts. We got it all today. Short, fat, skinny, and tall. Come on over. Make sure you hit the like button. This show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Head on over to BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code Believe B L E A V. Get you fifty percent off. Welcome bonus. And tell him I sent you. We got a uh, baseball rounding down, about to get the playoffs. Um, we got a lot of things going on, man. Uh, MMA again, and uh, football season's right around the corner. Um, so head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code Believe B L E A V. Tell him I sent you. Uh, appreciate you. Um, let me get the quote out of the way right away. Let me get the quote out the way. Um, Wise men talk because they have something to say. Fucking idiots talk because they have to say something. Idiots talk because they just have to fucking say something. Wise men talk because they actually have something to say. Make sure you understand the difference. There is a huge one. There's a huge difference. Contrary to belief, uh, the segment is uh, brought to you by Canna Dips. Make sure you head on over to CannaDips.com. Or CanadipCBD.com. Use the promo code COACHJB. All caps. Get you 20% off free shipping. Canadips. That shit is CBD dip. Uh, check it out. Make sure you head on over there and go get you some Canadips today. Contrary to belief, you must manage yourself before managing others. That is contrary to belief. And 
You can't lead if you can't fucking follow. You cannot lead others if you can't follow first. Contrary to belief. A lot of you cats think that, oh, I'm just a leader. No, you're not. If you, you're not a leader if you can't follow. So learn how to follow before you ever think you can even be a leader. And last but not least, quiet is kept versus quiet as it's kept. Which one is it? Is it quiet as kept or is it quiet as it's kept? I don't know if you know that, but guess guess what? You can actually use both of them in this contrary to belief segment. You can actually use both of them. So um, I appreciate everybody on TikTok, man. Come on over to YouTube live. I'll be giving away some vodka today, signed bottles of vodka. And uh, I got great guests on today. Like I said, PGA golf legend. Mark Kalkovecchia will be on today with me in about 20 minutes. And uh, Dari Noka, uh, if you don't know who that is, the ESPN anchor host and SEC Network football host, uh, he will be joining me uh, at about 245 Pacific. So come on over to YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, become a member if you're not one already. Uh, we're live on TikTok as well. Come on over, become a member of TikTok. If you guys do that, you have a chance to win free merch, free gear, and vodka and whiskey signed by myself. Plus, you can get you a signed book, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. You can get it signed. Come on over to YouTube Live and check it out. Again, I'm going to hit these can of dips, get it cracking in here. Uh, A lot of you youngsters in the room, I think you guys call it get, get it crunk. I don't know what the fuck you call it. But um, let's get into uh, the slapdick of the day. Slapdick of the day is Ryan Clark, ESPN analyst. Uh, he's making a million dollars a year now, Ryan Clark is on ESPN. Plus, he has a pivot uh, podcast called The Pivot. Uh, he came out basically and said, Lamar Jackson gets too much hate and the Ravens are his favorite to win the Super Bowl. Go figure that shit. Ryan Clark, you are a fucking idiot and a slapdick. So please understand that. You are the slapdick of the day, my friend. Um, We got the poll question today. If you can have any animal as a pet, which one is it? Which one is it? If you could have any animal as a pet, which one would it be? What animal would it be? Man, I think I'm gonna go with a. I think I'm gonna go with a lion, dog. I don't know. My, I kind of want to go with a lion, but I also love me some. I love me some penguins. Penguins are uh, are very very uh, intriguing to me. Chad said he wants a giraffe. Damn. Come on, uh, Eddie. Eddie, did you just say an English bulldog, homie? Oh, my goodness. Eddie, you be saying some shit, dog. You be saying some shit. You be like the one cat that how his, his bank account works a certain way. The way your bank account works, that's you. You're, you're Kevin Hart and shit. You be saying some shit. Remember I said an English bulldog. An everyday dog we could go buy at PetSmart. Damn, I remember that English bulldog. 
Uh, Brian Martinez is back. I, I blocked Brian fucking around. I, I, didn't, I don't know how to unblock him. So I'm glad you came back, Brian. Um, you're still a slap dick. But somebody said they would like to, a great white shark. How the hell are you going to have a great white shark? What are you going to do with it? You going to pet it? You going to play with it? Can it play with your dogs and shit? Um, lot to do. Word of the day, man. I got to get this word of the day out of here because it, the word of the day is every day. Every day is the word of the day. It's two words, by the way. It's two words, by the way. Um, if you don't know what that means, it is called an adverbial phrase. I got to teach you all the time because coaches teach. That's what coaches, good coaches are do. They're teachers first, coaches second. So being a good coach that I am and a great teacher, two words today. The, day, the, day, the word of the day is every day. All right, because every day you should try to shine like never before. And it's two words. It's called an adverbial phrase. And it is used to refer to repeated actions or occurrences. Also, each day, that's two words. Or daily, that it means daily as well, right? Each day. It's two words. It's called a proverb, adverbial phrase. And I got to teach that shit. I got to just teach it up, man. I got to teach it up. Um, my boy's on TikTok. Come on over to YouTube. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Become a member. Got a chance to win a few bottles of vodka today. Signed by me. Got a chance to win a book. Signed by me. So come on over to my YouTube. Become a member. $1.99 a month. Best $1.99 that you can spend. Um... A lot going on today, man. A lot going on today. Um, PBE, PBEV15 on TikTok said he forgot I existed. But your girl didn't. <laughs> your girl didn't forget I existed, homie. Please believe that. And she knows how to say, ah. <laughs> Come on over. Come on over to, uh, to to YouTube. All my haters, come on over. And, uh, oh, we got some trolls early on. We got some early trolls in the house. Um, but come on over, get some whiskey, get some vodka. I'm giving it away today on the show. I'll have great Mark Kalkovecchia, PGA Golf extraordinaire. Also, I'll have uh, Dory Noka, SEC, um network host and uh man i have i have my former players on my show all the time i've had basically every single person from netflix on this show on youtube come on over to youtube join in today it's in my bio hit the link button i'll see you guys over on youtube peace um let me end tiktok before i get banned again um yeah we got the we got the haters in the house man we got the haters you know how that goes um Pet peeve of the day, man. Keyboard cowards. I just... A keyboard cowards, dog. The keyboard cowards are my pet peeves of the day. Um, it's all these pet, pe uh, pet peeves got to be the keyboard cowards. Everybody that I talk to, all the haters, everybody that I see. Angel Aguilera, what up? Become a member. I don't know who you are. You might be a troll. Bot. Fake fuck. I don't know what you are, but we're going to figure it out today. Uh, you're going to learn today. Um, 
Keyboard cowards. Got to be my pet peeve of the day, man. Got to be. Um, let's get to the topics at hand before Mark Kalkovecchia joins us. We got a couple guests on today. I got a couple guests on tomorrow. Former Cy Young winning pitcher, world champion, Don Trell Willis will be joining the show tomorrow for all you baseball fans out there. Oakland, California native. Um, he'll be on the show tomorrow at 1 o'clock, right when the show starts. So shout out to Dontrell Willis. And then we'll have Matt Lombardo on, uh, NFL, another NFL analyst uh, who does a weekly uh, blog on uh, every Wednesday. So we'll be discussing his, his deal. So, um, so we'll go. We'll see what happens. D-Train will be in the house tomorrow. Yes, sir. All you baseball fans, D-Train will be in tomorrow. Um, lots to talk about. But the show is growing. Make sure you hit the like button, subscribe. Become a member of the best realist, fucking realist podcast on the goddamn planet Earth. Um, got to get this thing out the way. This got to be the fuck stick of the day. This is the reason why I can't stand some of these celebrity fucks who have a platform and continue to fuck kids' minds up, all right? I don't give a fuck about Kim Kardashian and her boyfriends. I don't know nothing about the Kardashians. I've never seen the show. I swear to God on my daughter's life, I don't know shit about them. I don't care about it. When you fucking random folks, general population out there that work, you working stiffs that work every day, to feed their families. Stop giving a fuck about Kardashians and these idiot fucks. Maybe they'll have a sense of some humility and start becoming who the fuck we are. I don't even know who this guy is. Who the fuck is Pete Davidson? He looks like a fucking weirdo pedophile. He looks like the Joker. This motherfucker looks like the Joker to me. Who the fuck is this guy? I've never even heard of him. But now he gets dumped by Kardashian and is in allegedly in trauma therapy because of his recent breakup with Kardashian. Cry me a fucking river, will you? I swear to fuck, man. All you guys that fucking feel sorry for this bitch made cat or any of these other fucks, you are the problem. You are the problem. You're the fucking issue. Stop caring about these dumb motherfuckers. Man, I don't know who the fuck that is. I never heard of that cat. SNL, Saturday Night Live? I never even... I I stopped watching Saturday Night Live when fucking Adam Sandler went off, dog. Shit. Please, miss me. Saturday Night Live is fucking horrible now. Um... Hard Knocks comes out tonight for all the football fans out there. Hard Knocks comes out tonight. Um, I wanted to give you a little snippet of it. Uh, we got a little got a little video of uh, Jamal Williams. Sounds more like an old school football player. Seems like the head coach is getting something out of him. Um, take a listen. Bring it up, bring it up. Well, let y'all know, man. Today is the minimum of effort. Do not give up. Do not feel like you're tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that record. Last year wasn't it. That ain't us. We can make it. Have some heart. 
I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Do your best. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions. So maybe maybe the Lions got something going on, man. I don't know. You know, maybe they're getting something going. MCDC, maybe he's getting uh, something out of them. But, you know, when people cry in the NFL, I always see a 3-14 and 14 season. <laughs> uh, that's just what it is. I'm sorry, but um, that's how it goes kind of in this business. Um, Donald Trump's house was raided or his... Uh, his uh, his fucking complex was raided. Um, Mar-a-Loga Club in Florida was the uh, Mar-a-Loga was was raided by the FBI. The interesting part of this one, apparently, they're 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 entertaining if he had anything to do with Epstein and all the 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 pedophile and the pedo shit that's been going on. But if you didn't know, the judge that okayed the warrant to go in there is also McVeigh's homie, who's also a pedophile. <laughs> so the Hodge twins, if you haven't seen this, the judge who signed off on the Trump search warrant is a former attorney that defended Epstein's accomplices. The same accomplices that received immunity for trafficking underage kids along with Epstein. He also worked as a senior federal prosecutor in the same office that gave Epstein his original immunity plea deal. Very interesting shit, isn't it? I tried to tell all you motherfuckers, man, they're all the same. Stop thinking there's somebody new. Like, they're all the same. They're all fucking weirdo pedophile fucks. So, just telling you guys, man. You guys got to realize that shit. That's what they are. That's who they are. They're fucking weirdos. Understand it. Um, Lucy, Jada, all you girls in the house, prepare to be seeing this. This is when the BBLs goes wrong. If you haven't seen that. That's the curve specialist. It looked like her ass got bit by the fucking great white shark that this motherfucker wanted as his pet in the chat. Looked like this bitch's ass got bit by a shark. It looks like, first of all, her tattoo's horrible. And then you can see as the ass is coming out, she had no ass. So she had a big wide ass, but she didn't have no ass. So she got a BBL put in. And then they fucked up and took it out. It looked like two huge. <laughs> it looked like two huge assholes on her ass cheeks. It looked like rhinoceros assholes are sitting on her ass cheeks. Don't that look like a big old asshole? <laughs> it looked like two assholes sitting on her cheeks. Oh, homie, I I love it. I, I'm really, uh, no, I would never hit that. I wouldn't hit that with your dick, homie. Um, I, I'm just being real. I, I can never, I, I have no sympathy for these motherfuckers. I'm going to be honest. I, I cannot, I, I, I can't fuck with a fake ass. I'm just telling you. I can't fuck with it. I can't fuck with a fake ass. I don't really like fake titties at all either. I like real shit. I like real shit. 
And and a study has come out recently that shows that that fucking dudes are marrying girls who have real shit 99% over fake BBL shit. And the BBL community now, there are they're their own community now. Is mad at men for choosing real humans. You made up fucking humans. Have you noticed a trend? All the made up humans are going into a category. They're in there with the cancel culture, the PC, the fucking made up humans, the pride, the transgender, the fucking. All the made up humans have a community. Have you figured this out yet, people? Come on, man. Let's keep it real. Everybody has a fucking community. The Bengals apparently have a new... uh... Let me shut my phone off here. The Bengals have a new stadium name, if you haven't noticed. Paycor. All these big companies are buying these people's stadiums and they're naming them these fucked up names, dog. Money talks, man. I'm just telling you right now. Money fucking talks. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, SMU, the home of Eric Dickerson, uh, my favorite running back of all time. Um, They've decided to pay all college athletes, football and basketball players, 36 grand each per year. So it's a decent salary, right? For a kid making 36K a year plus opportunities to have other NIL deals for both sports, basketball and football. I hope women are included in that because of Title IX. I have to I have to I have to think there's been more Title IX violations than anywhere in, in the history of fucking athletics, but we're not even showing any of that. But SMU's paying these guys 36K a, a year. Uh, equaling out to $3.5 million. Shout out to them. Shout out to them, SMU. That is the way I like to see it done. You know, don't give them too much, but give them enough to eat. Um, so Pete Davidson, I have no idea who this guy is, right? This guy looks like the Joker, strung out, looks like a fucking mental fucking midget. But after I did some research, I found a Kim Kardashian graveyard site. And apparently, Pete Davidson fell into it. (laughs) This is Pete Davidson joining Kim Kardashian's ex-boyfriend's graveyard. I had to show that, dog. I just thought that shit was funny. Emmett, I don't know if you ain't laughing at that. You know you laughing, boy. That shit is comical. That's like me when I played at Compton College around this motherfucker. Uh, the only one of his kind. Pete Davidson was in that motherfucker and they were already fucking Kim Kardashian and got up out of there. And that's the motherfucker that was found. They found that motherfucker in there. Um, oh man, that shit is comical, dog. (laughs) I don't give a fuck if he didn't have a dad. I'm making excuses for these motherfuckers, homie. I grew up in a car, motherfucker. I don't give a fuck about all that shit. Stop using these excuses about I don't have a daddy and all this old shit. 
You know what you did have? He had hair in his nuts. When he got hair in his nuts, he knew what to do. Right? Wrong or indifferent. Motherfucker, I could have easily slain rocks, crack, dope, been a gangster. Motherfucker, get miss me with all the excuses about missing having your daddy around, homie. So all the serial killers, guess what they had? They had daddies. Motherfucker, they had daddies. Man, please, miss me with all the daddy and mama shit. You grow up to be a fucking grown person. You have a grown person fucking brain. You can think for your motherfucking self. We got too many motherfucking excuse-making motherfuckers for not having something. Go figure the shit out, homie. That's all it comes down to. Figure life out. It's fucking real out here. It's the truth. It hurts people. But you can't do it. (laughs) So... Hey, so his dad was a firefighter. Shit, good good job. Good shit for him. He served his country. He did a great thing. That's even why it's worse, Jeremiah. That is why I don't give no these cats a pass. Your daddy was a legendary humanitarian for our country, served our country, and now you have taken a shit. You've taken a shit slapping your dad's Entire fucking legacy in the fucking mouth. Because what is left on this world about your dad? Do you understand what it is? It's his legacy. You are the last one standing in his legacy, especially a son. A man's seed being a son is the last line of his father. And he's going to leave, go out like Willie Lump Lump? Fuck these motherfuckers, man. Um, apparently Sean McVeigh's let his nuts hang. Um, and I don't know if you saw this quote, but he said, we can let our motherfucking nuts hang and go trade for this fucking quarterback and give ourselves a chance to go win a fucking world championship. You ready to fucking do this or what? Love to see it. I got a good friend of mine coaching receivers there. Um, buddy named Eric Yarber. We call him Yarbs. Great dude. Um, Mark Kalkovecki will be joining us in the one thirty hour here in a couple minutes. And uh, Dari, I, I, I don't want to fuck up his name, dog. But I, Noka is what I'm understanding. So, Dari Noka, SEC football host and ESPN host, host will be joining us at 2.45. So, um. It's uh, it's good to have a legendary guy come on. So I'm going to bring on Mark Kalkovecchia, uh, legendary golfer. I appreciate him coming on today in the show. Everybody, uh, make sure you uh, pay attention, man. You may learn some shit in here today. And, uh, and if you guys have any questions, make sure you put them in the chat, and I'll ask Mark. And uh, appreciate everybody joining in the show today. Mark, how you doing, brother? Hey, good, Coach. How are you? Oh, man, I'm hanging in there, man. Out there in Florida, huh? Yeah, down in Jupiter. Uh, we got here last week. Uh, we were in uh, our, our cabin up in the Highlands, North Carolina, which is about 30 degrees cooler. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, what's out down here, uh, a lot of reasons why. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Are you on your phone, Coach? Or are you on your phone? Yeah, I am. Can you turn it sideways? Oh, sure. And then, yeah, there we go. Makes a makes a big deal on this deal. All, all the people watching. Appreciate everybody right. in the in the deal uh, joining. Uh, man, you know. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're kind of a legend to me. When I was young watching golf, I grew up basically playing against Tiger Woods in high school. We played each other. We actually were trained by the same guy at, at Hartwell Golf Course here in Long Beach. And uh, so that's how me and Pat kind of, uh, we, we always talk about that stuff. And so uh, Pat Perez said hello, by the way. He just took the family down to San Diego and uh, for a little vacation to get out the damn 200-degree heat in Arizona. So. Right. You know how it is, but he yeah, he he, he loves the hell out of you. So you so you've been on the tour since '81. For everybody that don't know, is that when you got your card? It is. Uh, that was the last year they had uh, two tour schools, and uh, I I turned pro in January of '81, and you know I was just playing mini tour stuff and entered the tour school just for the heck of it. And uh, you know you still had to get through three stages back then. And easily made it through the first two. And the last one was at uh, Disney World Palm Course, uh, which, of course, I knew very well. And uh, uh, somehow shot 68 the last round. And the next thing I knew, I, uh, you know, I was on the PGA Tour. And I, I like called my mom and dad. And they're like, you did what? You're on, the, you're on the what? I said, yeah, I'm on the tour. And they're like, oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah, yeah. man. You know, first, first five years was kind of on again, off again. Uh, it was weird when I made it through the tour school, I missed my card entirely. Then I made it through the tour school and, and then I finished 125 to 150 missed tour school, but I still had status the next year. I often owned it for five years, uh, until I finally won in 86 and, uh, and it was fully exempt and, uh, up until I was actually 52. So, wow. So you won 13, what? 13 pre, uh, PGA tour events, including the, the open in 89. Yeah, correct. Hey, you got to do your research, brother. Hey, I try to tell people all the time, every day is an interview, man. I don't want to fuck up the interview. Uh, I, I, will, I will add, I did have 27 seconds thrown in there. So, uh, man, that's a lot. That's impressive. That's, that's good and bad. Uh, yeah. You know, probably, uh, you know, 10 of those I should have won or, you know, or I felt like, felt like I gave away. You know, you can't win every time you get in contention, obviously. And, you know, probably 10 of those I shot 65 or something in the last round to finish second. But uh, a good a good ten of those, I, I probably uh, felt like I should have won. But like I said, you can't win every time you have it. You know, have a chance or feel like you could have. But uh, yeah, only only Tiger Woods kind of does that. But at any rate, uh, yeah. Hey, you 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 uh, you beat Greg Norman though in 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 what in the Open, right? Didn't you beat him and uh, and uh, maybe somebody else in Royal Troon? Yeah, Wayne Grady, exactly. Wayne Grady. Uh, Yep, and that was kind of when Greg was uh, kind of taking some bad beats. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, I think David Frost holds a bunker shot at Norrells to beat him. Of course, Larry Mize's chip shot at the Masters to beat him. Bob Tway's bunker shot in 86 to beat him. Uh, so, uh, and, and on Sunday at Trent, I flew a chip in the hole on the 12th hole from, from just dead. Uh, you know, and then made a couple of birdies on 16 and 18 coming into time. And then Wayne Grady kind of collapsed. Uh, well, not collapsed, but he bogeyed a couple of holes coming in. And uh, next thing you know, we're in a playoff. And uh, Greg hit it in that little coffin bunker, it's called now. And it's about the size of a coffin. Damn. Except, uh, 
anyway, yeah, went on to went on to win the Open in '89. So Did you beat him awesome. in a playoff, or was it? Yeah, out? it was a it was a four hole playoff. The first time they ever had a full four hole playoff in the Open. And, wow. Uh, yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive. So that's cool. <laughs> yep, and I didn't even know it was a four hole playoff. Uh, you know, once Wayne Grady did in birdie eighteen, and I knew I was on a playoff. I asked the RNA guy. I said, I assume we're going back to 18. He goes, no, we're going to one. And one is by far the easiest on the golf course. It's a it's a driver, 50-yard chip L wedge. Nowadays, uh, today's guys could probably drive the green, no problem. But at any rate, I said, well, that's a weird hole for a sudden death playoff. And he goes, no, we're playing one, two, 17, and 18. I had no clue. So man, I tell you guys, you guys are built right different. There. You guys are built different. I'll tell you that, man. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, I guess, so I went out and played with Pat and, and Rom and all these guys out at Scottsdale with Pat. I stayed with Pat for a week last week, and uh, we go out and golf four days in a row. We're on their own course. There, it's private. Nobody's there. We don't see a soul for four days, and uh, we're driving right what, up to the green. What, you know, it's, so we're, uh, it's called Silverleaf. Silverleaf. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, all right. Silverleaf. And... I, I'm just like, holy shit, don't ever fucking play with pros if you're not a pro. Because I'll just tell you, I couldn't even light my cigar, Mark. I couldn't even light my cigar. I'm just trying to keep up. These guys are up, down, in, gone to the next hole. I'm just like, god damn. Yeah, we don't, we don't waste any time. Uh, hey, actually, me- yesterday I played uh, with my son and the uh, head greenskeeper at Admiral's Cove, and we played in two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, of course, we teed off at three in the afternoon. It was about 120 degrees, Oof. even here in Florida. It was like, it was like 94 with uh, humidity. I'm, I'm sure the heat index was about 105. It was hot, but we played so fast we didn't hardly have a chance to get hot. But yeah, uh, you play with pros, you, know, you don't have any time to dick around. That's for sure. And, and and is that just because of the simple fact you're pros? And I try to tell people, I said, when they're pros, it's all about reps. It's all about you're going at the pace of what you can do. And, and I try to tell people the same way in the coaching and football. I said, you know, I would throw the wideouts in the NFL when I played. And and in college and, and high school wideouts and quarterbacks would come, and they're just throwing it all over, and we're, we're going fast, and we don't have time to wait for you. And it's it's similar. When you're in that profession and you're a professional, it is what it is. I just think that people don't understand that. So, well, you know what the weird thing is is, you know, pro golf has gotten so slow, and I know it drives Pat crazy too, and it, it drives me crazy. But you know, we're used to it. It's just part of the deal. But I guarantee you, when these slow players, like you know, although Bernhardt's faster than he used to be, but you know, David Frost is slow in our tour, and then you go back to Ben Crane, super slow. I mean, there's some, you know, you remember that when Sabatini was already on the green. At Congressional in 18, and, and Ben Crane hadn't even pulled his second shot at the club for his second shot yet. Um, I guarantee you these guys play fast when they play at home. You no know, doubt. they just get in tournaments, and they think they need to know every little detail about how many behind the pin, how many left of the pin, how many short of the pin, what's the carry, where's the wind, are you sure? Uh, it's supposed to be out of the northwest, but it looks like it's blown into us. You know, yeah. all this shit. You don't, you don't think any of that when you play at home. You, you get up. You use your range finder, it's 173. Yep. You grab your seven iron and you hit it. Yep. Right? I mean, it's just these guys just go into freeze mode in tournaments and it, and it drives me crazy. Nah, you're right. I think it goes like I talk about it all the time the it factor. You either have it or you don't. It's like coaching and, <laughs> and playing, you know. Uh, so so you're a Midwestern guy. You're born in, in, in Nebraska, raised in Florida. Is that accurate? Well, correct. I, I spent. 
kind of raised in Nebraska. I spent 13 years in a small town that was just unfortunately in the news lately called Laurel, where uh, uh, two houses burnt down and there were, there were uh, four, they, four people died. I don't know if you saw that in the news. It's a town of 920 people and uh, in the very northeast corner of Nebraska. Uh, my dad and his uh, two friends bought a 43-acre cornfield right on the edge of town and decided to turn it into a nine-hole course because back then the nearest course was 15 miles away in Wayne. And, you know, in the 60s, driving 15 miles to play golf was crazy. So uh, I learned how to play golf literally in a field. Uh, it was a rolling field, nine, nine greens, you know, really small greens, about the size of your bedroom, little round greens. It was the only thing that was ir ir irrigated. Wow. And uh, no trees, no water, no bunkers, uh, no nothing. Damn. And that's where I learned how to hit it. My dad had MS, so he had a cart. Uh. So luckily, I could whip around nine holes in about 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, and I, I, sometimes I'd play 72 holes a day because there was nobody out there in the summer. Wow. You know, I, I played barefooted in my swim trunks, no shirt. And when I, you know, after about four loops around, I'd, I'd ride my bike down to the pool, which just was across the street from uh, the ninth tee swim for a while, cool off, go back, play more golf. That was my summer, uh, in a nutshell, uh, growing up as a little kid in Nebraska, man. And reps got you to probably who you are now. Those reps. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, when we moved to North Palm beach, Florida, uh, in 1973, when I was 13 for my father's health reasons, again, he had MS, he slipped on the ice in the winter of 72 and broke his arm and said, that's it. We're out of here. Uh, we're heading to South Florida, uh, and his family was here and we'd taken vacations here. So I kind of knew a little bit about it. Uh, so he took off, uh, in the winter of 70, uh, 72 found uh, a house across the street from North Palm beach country club, bought that joined the club. And when I got down here, when I was 13, just turned 13 in July of 73, uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was a member at North Palm beach country club and, rode my bike up there and just, just met kids, you know, I mean, it was, it was a great place. Uh, had to learn how to play out of bonkers, uh, all kinds of stuff, trees, uh, didn't know anything about that. Uh, Different world, huh? Pretty quick. And uh, actually I was already better than most of the kids in the area anyway, by the time I got here, even without knowing any of that. So, uh, but, but obviously at that point it was, it was great. And I improved immensely, uh, in the next year or two and, and won a lot of junior tournaments in South Florida. Man, are are you uh are you at heart a uh, Nebraska Cornhusker fan, football or Florida Gator? That's a good way to put it. At heart, uh, you know, I thought Scott Frost uh, Scott Frost might uh, you know really really turn it around. Although I think Bo Pelini kind of got the shaft because you know he went nine and two every year for about ten straight years, and that wasn't good enough. Uh, you know, and then uh, Frost comes in and he, he's like 40%. So it's a shame. Uh, I'm a Gator fan, obviously. Went to Florida. Uh, I'm a Buckeye fan. Uh, my wife was born and raised in Columbus. Oh, wow. Went to Ohio State. Uh, didn't graduate from there. Graduated from Franklin right down the street. But she's an insane Buckeye fan. So, uh, you know, it, it actually took her a couple of years to get used to Urban. Uh, you know, after he won about 22 in a row. Even though they were on probation that one year, she's like, "Yeah, he's he's pretty good coach." <laughs> so, 
Yeah, go Bucks, go Gators, and go Huskers. Yeah, I, I have Zach Smith on on my show every Monday. He was uh, Urban's uh, wideout coach for a long time. Yeah, yeah, so oh, he, yeah. He's on every Monday, right. so it's it's uh, it's good to deal. So look, man, I gotta let everybody know I'm gonna stroke. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hype you up some more. You you lose by one stroke to Sandy Lyle in the '88 Masters, and from '80 what would you say '86 to '90 maybe you you spent like 100 and what 10 weeks in the top 10 or something like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. That, that was probably my, uh, obviously my, the prime of my career. That's what I was going to ask you. Is that your prime? Without a doubt. Uh, from the middle of, uh, or kind of the end of 88, uh, through the end of 89, I won six tournaments in uh, basically 12 months. Uh, and that's hard to do. I mean, that's almost Tiger-esque. But that was def- definitely my prime. And, uh, you know, I think losing uh, to Sandy when he hit that amazing bunker shot on 18 at the Masters, uh, fairway bunker shot and made birdie, you know, I think it really, uh, you know, obviously I was bummed, but you know, I, I was proud of myself. I played great. We had a great time Sunday night with my friends and family were there. And, uh, I, I think actually it really, uh, you know, my attitude at the time was, well, it's not that big a deal. I'll, I'll, I'll play in this term at least another 20 times and I'll, I'll get a green jacket, you know, in one of those years, uh, it didn't happen, but that's kind of the way I looked at it. But I think it really did uh, help me uh, in 89 to uh, do what I did at the Open uh, and, and win that tournament. So, you know, because I knew I could handle uh, major championship pressure, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, kind of weird. You, 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 you almost win a green jacket. And uh, the next year I got a Claret Jug. So it was, uh, it was, it was a good time for sure. No doubt. I, you you uh, you kind of were on fire. I was just reading up. You shot a, a twenty nine. Was that time was a course record on the what front nine or back nine? Back back nine, and uh, that was in the ninety two yeah. Masters. Ninety two, correct. And uh, David Toms went on to tie that later on. But I uh, I'm birdie ten. I made about a twenty footer. Uh, not to get into it all, but on eleven I hit it about ten feet and missed it, and on twelve I hit it about six feet and missed it. And then managed to birdie the last six. So, uh, twenty-seven yeah, was looking like a twenty-seven, huh? It, it it actually could have been, but who knows? You know, if I'd have birdied 10, 11, 12, and thirteen, I you know probably would have choked on fourteen or fifteen or something. So, yeah, as it turned out, uh, uh, almost hold my iron shot on eighteen. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was awesome. That's just you're you're just in the mode, right? You're just in the groove, just like any professional in any sport. I think when I'm on fire throwing the football, or if I was right, it's just that is just something that you feel that you just can't miss, huh? Yeah, just like any sport. Uh, you're right. You know, we, when you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Whether it's Steph Curry throwing him in from 30 feet, you know, he, he knows he's going to make it before he lets it go. Yep, confidence. Sometimes you, you can't throw it in the ocean. Uh, baseball players sometimes you couldn't hit the strike zone if you tried you know football players you, you can't hit a down and out if you tried it, 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 some days are good some days you got it uh, and that's no different in golf and so i know you're an old school cat like me man and, and and i'm only 46 but me and pat are the same age we 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 almost same that we he's like fuck he's five days uh, younger than me but uh the generation now in my opinion doesn't care like we did growing up i don't know if it's the competitive edge the upbringing whatever we want to say and i don't get into all that but you know you're 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 apparently you lost a four-hole lead and broke down crying in the Ryder cup is that true 
That's very true. And who was it too? Colin Montgomery or somebody? Yeah. I see. I do my yeah. research, brother. Hey, and you you found out you still won it at the end of the day, but you were so pissed because you 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 thought you lost it. Do you think people nowadays playing would care like you did or like we did? Or is it all chasing this bag of money and they can give uh, a shit less? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't think they, they care and they want to win, but if they don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Cause they make so you fucking know. much money, right? <laughs> that's, that's why we keep winning the president's cup. Cause they don't give a shit. You know, they're just there. Yeah. It's fun representing the United States and all that stuff. But you know, we, we've won every single time at once. And that, of course that was the team I was on, but, that's why we keep winning because they don't give a shit. We, we actually give a shit in the Ryder Cup and we care and we want to win. And sometimes we can't get out of our own way. Uh, but I don't think uh, they take it to extremes like I did in 91 when I seriously wanted to drown myself uh, after I got done. And I actually hit two good shots on 16 and 18. I, I just I hit them too good. I actually hit them over the green where I was dead. So Wow. You know, it didn't have to happen, but I've always had this weird sense, and, and most golfers do, professionals. Sometimes you kind of know what's going to happen before, uh, or before it happens, or you know what? I knew that half a point was going to cost us. I really did. I just knew it was going to come down to the somehow the last friggin' match, and and I just couldn't take it. Uh, you know, I was five up after nine. And I thought I was going to go six up after 10. Monty buried it in the front bunker on 10. And I hit it 15 feet. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to win this match about eight and seven. And he hold it. And then he birdied the next hole, the par five, and I didn't. And all of a sudden, I'm only uh, I'm only three up. Uh, but anyway, I was four up with four to go. Uh, tied. Broke down. Uh, Peter Costas, my teacher at that time, kind of... Uh, held off Roger Maltby from interviewing me. I went out, uh, you know, I tried to regroup, went out, watched the last few holes and was just a wreck. And I the last thing I really remember was, and this is all the truth, um, um, on 18, you know, after Hale Irwin fans of four would short of the green and hit a shitty chip, Bernhard was on the green. I'm like, we're going to lose. Hale puts it up there to three feet. And for some reason, Bernhard gave it to him. And Bernhard, you know, I, I'm in the front of the green with, with Payne Stewart down on my knees and everybody's standing up. But I, I stayed on my knees. I couldn't watch. And uh, I was just waiting for the noise one way or other. And I heard this roar. Payne grabbed me, pulled me up, hugged me. We won, we won, we won, we won. Uh, and literally after that, I don't remember a thing. Ro roller remember. coaster of emotions, huh? And I, oh, the, the, like you can't imagine. Don't remember a thing. Don't remember going in the ocean, that picture with all with our blue blazers on. Don't remember the dinner that night. Don't remember the party. All I remember is having a hang. I don't remember flying to San Antonio on Monday. It, it's all a blur. I do not remember it. The last thing I remember was uh, when Payne grabbed me and, and jumped up and hugged me. And we won, we won, we won. And then getting to San Antonio and in my locker, there were about 500 letters and I read every one of them and not one of them was negative. And I tried to respond to everybody I could. And all the players that week were great to me. And after that I was over it. I was fine. Wow. It, it was, uh, 
you know, we did win the Ryder Cup after all, but I was just traumatized by uh, what happened. And uh, so I've been on four Ryder Cup teams. We lost. We got murdered at Muirfield. Uh, we tied at the Belfry in 89, which we should have won. So that was sad. Like five of us lost the last hole, including me uh, again. Damn. So everybody's crying there. So that was terrible. We, we tied 14-14, but we, you know, they kept the cup because they had it from 87. 91's a blur because I was traumatized. And then we got murdered on Sunday in 02 because Sam Torrance didn't cut the greens for three days and they were rolling at about a seven. Oh, uh, and, and none of our guys could get the fucking ball to the hole in the greens. Uh, if you go back and watch that Sunday, you'll laugh. The greens look like a, a muni at best. and uh, But that's a captain's prerogative. Uh, they were so slow we couldn't get it to the hole, and, and uh, they did. Man, if people <laughs> don't get it, man. These young cats, I don't think they understand. These youngsters, man, they don't get like you were. You care because this is what you signed up to do with your at the at your your so called brothers, right? So I got we got these KDs and James Hardens and these NBA cats who can't even play a season and want to demand trades and could give a shit less if they win a playoff game or not, and they're they're getting so much money that they're just ready for a vacation now. And it's like, where the fuck, where have we lost a competitive edge at? And it's just, it's trickling down to the youth, which is just like, it's making these cats so damn soft, man. Me and Pat talk about it every day. It's just like, God damn. I, I, I agree. Very true. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. So where you stand, man? What's going on with all this uh, drama with the PGA and the Live, man? How, are you even in mix of that? Or are you kind of out the out the loop? No, I'm. I'm. I'm I, I've watched some of it. Um, it's kind of weird. Uh, I didn't watch much of London, but I watched some of Portland and some of last week, and it's a little confusing with everybody all over the course. You know, the fifty-four holes, the shotgun. Uh, here's so-and-so on 14, here's so-and-so on two, <laughs> and you don't know what hole they're on, but, they're, you know, it's a 115 shotgun, which is a little goofy, and everybody's got their different team logo by their name, and, you, you know, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, but having said all that, I don't, you know, it's a cash grab. End of story. It's not about spending more time with family. It's not about playing less. You know, now these guys want to play the FedEx Cup playoffs. Well, you know, if you wanted to play less, why do you want to play play those tournaments? Just stick to your lift schedule. So that's all bullshit as well. Uh, but having said all that, say in 1991, after I played in three Ryder Cups, won a major, won eight tournaments up to that point, if the same opportunity would have came up, you know, Inflation-wise, obviously, the money now is 10 times greater than it was 28 years ago. Uh, would I have gone? Probably. Uh, you know, I love the PGA Tour. It was always my dream to play the PGA Tour. And, you know, I just kind of came into my own in the late 80s and early 90s. It, it would have been a tough decision. So I certainly understand Pat going and Paul Casey and Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood. Uh, you know, they said Hendrick Stenson would never win again on the PGA Tour. Well, he just won the Open six years ago, but he'd been in a funk. All of a sudden, he gets in a limited, you know, a 48-player field. And look, 20 of them are going to play shitty. So now you're down to about 28 players if you play good. Uh, 
it's an incredible opportunity and it's about money and uh i'll leave it at that uh no i don't i don't fault anybody for going though i really don't Nah, i hear you and that was pat pat was like jb make sure you ask mark um if they guaranteed him 10 times the money not you but just the pga <laughs> if, if they guaranteed to us the tour in 95 10 times the money we were making um, and guaranteed it, you know, what do you think that the tour would have done in 95? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I said, exactly. uh, if this opportunity would have came up to me and, and, and equal money proportions from then to now, uh, I'm pretty sure I probably would have done the same thing. Now, and I, you know, I was with Pat on tour for, for the beginning of the year. And he was pro PGA, man. He was like, listen, man, I'm not going against Tiger. I'm staying on this side of the house. It's it's about all this shit. He's like, I'm not fucking with Phil and all this other shit. And I ain't going to put all his business out there. But he was saying all that. And then more and more shit started to happen and more more shit. And then he was just like, dude, I, I'm not going to compete with these guys, number one, anyway. Number two, I got kids to think about. I'm 46. Why wouldn't I take not only guarantee, but... You know, like, 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 look at him. I mean, he shoots good first days, gets 69 or whatever. And then, and then he has two bad days, but their team still won. And he's made 950 grand twice in a row. And he shot 80. Right. And so he's like, JV, fuck everybody else. I don't care. There's nobody in the world that can't say that's a good gig. Right. (laughs) That's that, that was a no brainer. I that, mean, shit, it's it's awesome. And then you and got all the the naysayers. You know, I saw that shit Bryson said and stuff. Uh, you know, about growing the game and about you know if you owned a fifty year old pizza joint and you know the next door over a new place opens and and they're offering you free pizza and money to come over and play or eat it. You know, wouldn't you do it? Right. <laughs> Uh, and well, something like that. I, I have paid attention, but yeah. no, I, I understand. Uh, look, I'm telling you, I, I get it. And uh, you know, Pat's big deal is he, he's like, dude, I'm just, this is my thing. He's like, you know, for a cat that's been on it this long now and made it this long, I said, you know, he's like, you know, what other sport or profession does the actual person making the business money not guaranteed a paycheck? He, you know, he's like the grounds crew people, the, the janitors, they're all guaranteed a check during that weekend. If we don't make the cut, we're out money going to the damn event. So that's his deal. Well, no, I agree. I mean, you got a guy standing out there in right field catching a pop fly, a couple of pop flies a game, might go 0 for 4, and he, but he still gets his $125,000 check for that game. No doubt. Or whatever it amounts to. No doubt. Uh, basketball. You know, a guy might complete. Kyrie Irving, Mark. Back. Kyrie Irving, don't even play. Don't even play home games. Because he didn't get vaccinated. Thirty million. Get, yeah, two hundred fifty grand a game or whatever it adds up to. Yeah, not for not even playing. Right. Every other sport has guaranteed money. You know, you sign for blah 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 signing bonus guaranteed hundred and fifty five million. Uh, okay. Yeah. What do you want me to do? You know. No doubt. And, and even if they get hurt, or either way. But right, I mean, us golfers, I've said for years we've we've been underpaid, and I'll say it right now, we're underpaid in the Champions Tour. I mean, I'm 62; I don't have much left in me. But we're, most of our tournaments are 1.8 million. The Corn Ferry Tour is the most underpaid tour in the history of golf. They they 
been playing for 500,000 for years and now they're finally up to 750. I guess it's going to go to a million next year, but that's like a, a drop in the bucket for the PGA tour. These, those guys are just getting screwed. They're, they're saying like, like, Oh, it's a learning tour. It's a stepping stone to the PGA tour. Bullshit. These guys still have expenses. You know, if you finish 40th, you shoot 14 under and finish 40th, which happens most of the time because the courses are pretty easy and they shoot zero out there. You're losing money. You got to pay your caddy. You got to fly there. You got to, you know, hotel, food. You know, I don't even know how these guys stay afloat, quite honestly. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty good gig, and and I get it uh, for sure. What? Where's the PGA headed, in your opinion? I mean, is 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 Rory really going to be the face of the PGA? Can he sustain? Because like he ain't Tiger. He's not Phil. I mean, I just don't see the tent, the, the 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 crowd grasping and navigating over there uh, he's kind of ungraspable graspable if that's a word yeah uh you know i get a lot of people like him uh he said hi to me this year at the open uh for the first time in his life all the other times he just looked at me like i was uh you know working the the bleachers at the at the open or something uh <laughs> the other years i played but, i don't think pat likes him you know, i mean People like him. He's got a good personality, and his interviews are good. He tells the truth, but nobody really gives a shit about him, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether he wins or not. You know, he's fun to watch drive the ball for sure. Oh, my God. How that guy hits as far as he does blows my mind. And I'm sure Pat will tell you the same nah, thing. Nah, Pat says he's an unbelievable player. Oh, unreal. And he's actually starting to putt pretty, pretty good. So, you know, he's been playing well this year. Uh, his putting has improved. I, I think Fax has helped him a lot with his putting. But is he uh, sustainable as like the figurehead of the tour, like Tiger? He's not that guy, right? Like as far as just that that character. No, I don't think there is there there is a guy. I mean, correct. You know, because there, there'll never be another Tiger, first of all. But uh, he's, I guess, or he's Phil for player. that matter, right? Or Phil, Phil's played awful all year. Oh man, uh, really? Since he won the PGA last year, yeah. I think all this has taken a lot out of him and uh, uh, the grief he's gotten and the suspension and all this other shit. Uh, I think it really has bothered Phil a lot. Uh, you know, he is 52 now. Uh, shit changes when you get old, man. No doubt. Uh, Time's a thief. You know, I, was, I was still playing great golf. I won when I was 47 on the tour. Uh, still played great, 48, 49. When I, when I got out here on the Champions Tour, I thought I was going to win every week. I mean, my first year, if I finished out of the top 10, it was a shock. Uh, you know, and I get it now. Same same with the 50-year-olds the, the coming out now or 50, 51, 52 guys, Stricker, Retief Goosen, uh, Jerry Kelly, although he's 55 now, still playing great. Uh, but then after that, you don't see many guys playing very good in their late 50s and, uh, and 60s, and even Bernhardt's slowing down a little bit. Uh, granted he's 64 and he still plays great, but, uh, you know, he didn't win this year. Uh, it, it get, the older you get, the harder it gets. Trust me, man. Time is a thief, man. And, and father time yeah. is undefeated. Um, time what, is undefeated. what's the difference in your opinion between today's players and the past, like your generation, uh, and now today's guys, what's the biggest takeaway? You, you, you see something and be like, you know, fuck this. This is just completely different. Is there something that sticks out, or is it just totally night and day between both generations? Well, I think in our generation, we had to hit uh, with the equipment we had. 
Uh, Woods. You know, Pat's 16 years younger than me, but we had Wood Woods. We had a lot of balls. I mean, they weren't much better than Featheries, you know, back in the early day. Uh, I, I was third in 1982, the first year they started keeping stats and driving distance at 273. Wow. Now that's a free hybrid for these guys now. No, so shit. we, you know, if you made a bad swing with your driver, it was, it was ugly. It was once your ball started duck hooking or snap slicing, it didn't stop. Seriously, our balls today self correct in midair. It's unbelievable. Technology, it's just a smash and bomb game. Uh, driving actually literally has nothing to do with anything anymore. Uh, you know, we had to know how to hit shots. We had to know how to, you know, I'm not saying guys don't know how to curve the ball or hit shots today. Obviously, they do. But with the balls and equipment we had, uh, uh, you know, we had to really know how to hit shots. And I think today – guys really just bomb it out there you know grab their short irons hit on the green and and but i will say this uh the, the players of today's short games are just uh simply incredible really uh, and that was the, my forte i mean that's why i was such an aggressive player because i knew if i short-sided myself i was going to get it up and down uh i had that l wedge flop shot uh which some some people still think is the best they've ever seen even better than phil's and some of the other guys, uh, yes, Olin Brown, who had the best flop shot of all time. He'll tell you it's me, but at any rate, no doubt. Uh, I, I, I shot low scores because I did not, not ever aim at the pen, no matter where it was. Mm. Uh, and when I did, I usually hit a shitty shot because I, if I aimed left of yeah. it, the pin was back, right. I'd, I'd get to the top of my swing and go, Oh fuck. I better push this a little over to the right to get it to the pin. I could not, not, try to hit it at the pen and uh so i think that was that was when i was at my best because my short game was incredible it's funny you say that because i i was talking to pat too and i was like damn i learned from back in the day i used to be pretty decent when i played a lot i ain't played in so long i was like fucking embarrassed out there with pat and them but it's like it's i don't see people put like playing the ball back in their stance or up in their stance like that we used to growing up like like you said we had to play different shots based on our lie it's crazy wonder how much technology changes that yeah, it has, uh, without a doubt. Um, a lot of guys now just go with their stock shot. No doubt. Uh, because the ball's so good, you know, and it, it flies so straight. Uh, it flies better through the wind. You know, we had to move the ball around from the front of our stance to, to off the right toe to, you know, playing a, a, a hook when you had to into a, into a left hand. Uh, and now guys, you know, they just kind of take their normal action and, and aim right at the flag and just let it go. Uh, or or aim center of the green and 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 play that way, so it's 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 different for sure. Uh, another guy you'd love to talk to is Ken Green, my buddy from the '80s, and who uh, you know had that bus accident. And now he's got one leg, and yeah, he played at, at USGA Adaptive Open at Pinehurst a few weeks ago, and said that was one of the greatest events he's ever played in. And he's not a USGA fan, but he he's he's with me. Uh, if you want to talk about the players of today and the players of yesteryear and, and the ball and the equipment and the way we used to play the game, he, he just laughs. And, and, and he said it's not even close uh, how much better uh, imaginations and, and, and talent we had back in our day. No doubt. No doubt. Pat agrees, I think, too. Me and Pat talk about it, and we're 46. Yeah. But he, yeah. let me ask you this. Uh, who 
who's the best? Is it Jack? Is it Tiger? Based on what you're saying, I mean, Jack has the most titles. I always try to go by wins and losses. I guess I do it like quarterback play. You win more Super Bowls, you're the best. But uh, I know skill set-wise, I got to see Tiger up close growing up in high school. We, we were rivals in high school, of course. And that along with technology, you know, I think uh, – I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but I know the Tigers and the Phils and these other guys my age, they, they started to be, bring weights and, and lifting into golf. Was that a thing with you guys, or was it just we go out and, and, and play and cardio maybe or something, or, or is it just we were smoking cigarettes and fuck it? <laughs> well, we, we, you know, I, I did my share of working out, and I hated every second of it, but not like the guys today do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think Jack or Arnie or Hogan or any of those guys uh, worked out a day in their lives, quite honestly. Uh, now, between Jack and Tiger, I'll say this. When I moved to North Palm Beach in 73, uh, one of the first kids I met in Palm Beach County Junior Golf Association was Jackie Nicholas Jr. And instantly got along with him well. Uh, then we ended up playing uh, high school golf against each other. And every time we did, uh, Mr. Nicholas was sitting right out there watching us. And here I am, a, a kid from Nebraska, basically out of the cornfields. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, a few months later, Jack Nicholas is watching me play golf. Uh, and he was nothing but fantastic to me, uh, really my whole career, uh, from junior golf to college golf to early days in the pros. Uh, you know, I played quite a bit with him on tour when he was still playing in the in the middle 80s and late 80s and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and I'd always said he was the greatest ever. Uh, then... Uh, in the late nineties, uh, you know, along came a kid by the name of Tiger Woods and I played a lot of golf with him, a lot of practice rounds and majors. Uh, we both worked with Butch Harmon. We had practice sessions together. Uh, there's a video of me in 2000 on the range next to Tiger with my mouth open, just watching him hit balls. I, I played two practice rounds with him that year. We, we both stayed at the old course hotel. I said, okay, we'll meet you. I'll meet you on the second fairway at 6 a.m. And so we played two through 17. So we, th we played 32 holes of practice and he made 19 birdies. Uh, if there was ever a tournament that was over before it was over, it was the 2000 open at St. Andrews. It, it was a mortal lock. He, he played as safe as he could play to shoot 19 under. He was playing that good. Uh, so having said all that, Tiger Woods is without a doubt the best player uh, of all time, in my opinion. Really? Just as far yeah, as just Jack, more majors, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Jack didn't have near the competition. Uh, Jack did have what 19 seconds in majors because he played so safe into the center, every green and just tried to let everybody else screw up. It, it cost him several times that he wasn't slightly more aggressive. Otherwise I think seriously, he could have won 30 majors or at least 28 if he had been a little more aggressive, uh, because he only had maybe a handful of players to beat maybe 10. Really? Uh, in my opinion. Uh, Tiger, even the, the level of play now is better than it's ever been. But still, in 2000, uh, it was it was pretty stiff competition. And, and probably uh, 50 to 75 players could have won, uh, won any given tournament. Now, it, it in this day and age, this 20-year-old kid just won Greensboro by five after making a quad in the first hole. Uh, Juhu Kim, also known as Tom Kim. Oh, yeah. What a talent. He's 20 years old. He's come out of nowhere, and he's a PGA Tour winner now uh, and top 25 in the world, I think. 
it, it's incredible how good these kids are. Jesus. Yeah, I got to just see Rom's like 28, so I got to see him play at, at Silverleaf oh. with Pat. Him and Pat play together all the time. He lives on the course. Rom's incredible. Oh, yeah. Pat thinks he's the uh, best right now. Uh, oh, he, he's, he, he drives it so well and so far. Uh, I don't know if the torque uh, uh, of his swing is going to affect him with injuries sooner or later. You know, honestly, I don't know if you remember a guy from the 80s. He was on the 87 Ryder Cup team with me. His name's Dan Pohl. Yeah. He lives in Scottsdale. Or, or he used to live right around the corner from me in Ahwatukee. He had a very similar swing, uh, really kind of a short backswing with incredible torque. And he led the tour in driving distance uh, or was the longest driver on our tour before they even kept stats in the 80s uh, or early 80s. And, uh you know, and then his back just blew up. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen to Rom because uh, uh, yeah. he is really one of my favorite players. Uh, I mean, sense. just the, the, the yeah, the, the sound his ball makes coming off the club face is just incredible. You you uh, you, you talk to Daly at all? Are you good with him? Oh yeah, we uh, we have a bus, and, and JD still has his bus, so we we parked next, uh, next to each other almost every event uh, out on uh, Champions Tour uh, when we're both playing, and we're both parking in the same spot. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's he's a little bit of a mess. Uh, you know, sometimes he just gets to a tournament and says, fuck this course, I'm WDing, you know, something like that, before the tournament even starts. Oh, shit. Uh, or, you know, I had to play. He goes, and uh, the sponsors do bug the shit out of him. He, a lot of times he plays three pro-ams a week before the tournament even starts. I mean, he's shot before the tournament starts. They want him to play a Monday prom. They want him to do the Tuesday night dinner. He's got to play the Wednesday prom, the Thursday prom. Uh, he's got to do interviews. And I mean, there's there's no other player on our tour that gets bugged more than him. And I feel sorry for him. And it's definitely taking a toll on him. Damn. Yeah, I'm trying to get him but on the show too, man. I think me and him. He's a fan of me, apparently. Pat told me, and, and he followed me on Twitter. I'm like, damn, I got to hit get a hold of him. But no, he, he's awesome. Uh, he really is. We we text each other all the time, and and. I asked him how he's doing. He asked me how I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. So, and Anna's great, you know, is, is, uh, not wife, but wife, you know, really, uh, she's great. And Brenda loves them both as well. He's got a, he's got a huge heart. He really does. We, we stay with this family in Virginia we both park our buses in their driveway and JD cooks steaks every other night or whatever. He does all the cooking, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's just awesome. He really is. Nah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, what do you got going? What's your day look like now, man? You playing a lot? You're not, are you playing a lot still or, or, or I know you're on tour, but are you, uh, are you just in between you kind of calm down between before you have to actually play the round or do you still practice as much as you would? No, here's my deal. I'm a physical wreck. Uh, in a nutshell, I had my spine fused last January. So, I didn't play at all last year. I played the last two tournaments of the year, just bunting it around. Uh, so now my back's fine. In about four months, both knees starting hurting, uh, started hurting at the same time. And each week it's gotten worse. At St. Andrews, uh, three weeks ago, my last open, uh, I, could, I, I could barely walk. How I even walked around the golf course for two days in a row was a miracle. Uh, most pain I've ever been in. Wow. Did MRIs. I'm, I'm a candidate. Both knees need uh, replaced. Shit. Uh, so I'm done for the rest of the year. I'm actually uh, in two days on Thursday. I'm meeting uh, 
my knee surgeon, and we're going to go over a plan, and uh, hopefully you can do them both at the same time. And I know that takes six Ooh. to 12 months to get over that. Shit. Uh, but my back's great. And so now once I get my knees fixed, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm 62. I'll be 62 and a half before I can play again. I still want to play. You know, I love to play. But uh, if, I, if, if I get my knees good and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, get in a little bit better shape, obviously, uh, I'd like to play for a few more years. And, uh, uh, you know, I still love to golf, but uh, it's getting harder and harder, obviously. No, no doubt. No doubt. Shit, man. I, I couldn't, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Like I said, uh, you know, it's, how, how's the Jeep Wagoneer, man? That was my, that was my fucking baby uh, growing up, man. I'm looking for the Woody. You're right. <laughs> the old Woody Wagoneer. Yeah. Uh, this, this new Jeep Grand Wagoneer we got, uh, easily the nicest and, and best, uh, SUV we've ever owned. Really? Uh, it's just incredible. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's big. It's a it's a big truck, but uh, we tow it behind our bus, and uh, it's it's fun to hang out in. It's fun to drive. Damn, it looks sweet, man. I'm thinking about it too. I was like, shit, that was your wife that I because I, I I responded to something, and I, I guess she uh, she hit me back on there saying, yeah, you got to get one, coach. I'm like, shit, I need this, and then I right. put it together, and it was your wife, and I'm just like, well, shit, man. I, I was a huge fan growing up, so I appreciate you, man, and uh, yeah. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. And like I said, best to you. I'll get. Hopefully, we can get up together one day and 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 shit. Get up to Pat's house or something. Smoke some steaks with him. Play on Silverleaf. Well, that sounds good. We'll do it. Uh, yeah, we don't have a home in Phoenix anymore, Scottsdale, but uh, we'll uh, we'll do it. We'll, we'll hook up. Uh, uh, my daughter still lives there, and she's doing well. And son-in-law. So oh, okay, good. Uh, we definitely get out there a couple times a year. So I'll. Uh, I'll hit you up and we'll do it. Hell yeah, definitely, man. I, I, I wish you the best. Hope you get these knees fixed up and continue to play. And uh, and I'll and I'll, I'm rooting for you, man. I'll see you soon. You got it, coach. All right, brother. Thank you. Me. Take care. Yeah, enjoy. All right, bye, bye, bye. Um, great dude. Shout out to Mark Kalkovecki, a legendary golfer, legendary guy in the business, man. Um. Unbelievable. Hey, Ryan, we're going to take a break. Give me two minutes. I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to take a piss. Give me something to drink and get ready for my main man that's coming on next. And, uh, I will see you in about three minutes. So here's my top five fucking of all time. Tony Gonzalez is the premier tight end in my generation. Not only did we play against each other in high school, growing up together, his old his older brother was actually one of my JUCO tight ends. His name is Chris Gonzalez, by the way. Went to Huntington Beach High School. Grew up right up the street. We played together in the we actually played each other in high school twice. Um, he also played basketball when I for his high school. We were obviously the number one team in the country in basketball. He was a great basketball player as well. Played at Cal Berkeley with Jason Kidd. Um, Tremaine Folks, another good friend of mine, he was on that squad. Uh, Ed Gray, another L.A. kid. That Cal team was great. I think they lost in the Elite Eight uh, to Duke, I want to say, or North Carolina. But that, that Cal team was really good. Tony Gonzalez was a problem in college basketball. Could have played in the NBA. Uh, I don't think he would have ever had the same career, obviously. He would have just been a big, bulky power forward in the, in the NBA. You know, he's 6'6". Uh, probably could, you know, at that time. Um, but he was a great inline blocker. He was a great pass receiver and catcher. He always and also was uh, 
he did a lot of things that tight ends at that time were not willing to do. Um, but Tony was a all around tight end who holds most records and he played longer. That's one of the reasons I cannot put Gronk in there. I do think Gronk is probably the most talented tight end to play the game, but I don't put him there because I think he's played 11 years. He's only 33 years old, and I don't think you can put him as the best already. I think he scored in three of his four Super Bowl victories. Um. But anyway, Ozzie Newsom is my number two tight end. Ozzie Newsom redefined the position. He is what the Antonio Gates of the world, the Shannon Sharps, all those guys became later. Ozzie Newsom, also a friend of mine who who was the player personnel of the Baltimore Ravens for a long time, a guy named Art Perkins who played running back for the San Diego Chargers, L.A. Rams, actually was a Compton College alum who was a coach at Compton College who coached my coach, who also allowed me to come into OTAs and minicamp with the Ravens. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're back at it. Uh, shout out to Mark Kalkovecki coming on the show. Um, just chilling, chilling, chilling. Got a lot to discuss. Great guy, man. Great dude. Real dude right there. Real dude. Um, we got SEC Network hosts. ESPN host um, Dari Noka will be coming on at 2.45 here in about 25 minutes. Going to get his perspective. He's a Heisman voter, by the way. He has a, ho- he has a vote in the Heisman and the Naismith Award. Um, so he gets, uh, he gets that... Uh, he gets a vote, and I'm going to talk to him about it. Is Does he think he's worthy to have a vote? As not a former player, does he think he's worthy to get a vote for a player that has to go through a lot of different things? And I'm going to put him on the fire, not to disrespect him at all. He's a great dude. I love the hell out of him. Um, I got a lot of good friends over at ESPN, even though I have all the beef with the other ESPN folks. Uh, I do. There are some great fucking people there, too. So... But I'm going to ask him about that. I just think it's an interesting topic. I want to know what his thoughts are. Does Stephen A. Smith deserve a Heisman vote when he never played the position or the sport? How would you? How do you get a vote and think it's okay to put these kids' future in your hands when you have no fucking dog in a fight? And I think that's a great question to ask him. Um, but we're going to talk about a few different things, man, and uh, we'll talk about the SEC, his favorites this year, who to look for, and then we're also going to talk about his thoughts on the NIL and the transfer portal. Um, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, I grew up golfing, man. I grew up, like I said, I was a really good golfer when I was young, man. I played against Tiger Woods growing up. Um, we were actually trained by the same guy. We are actually the same age. He went to high school at Western High School, about four minutes away from my high school, Artesia. So we played against each other quite a bit. And uh, I didn't like him then. I don't like him now. And uh, it is what it is. He's Wiger Woods, and that's fucking it. Um, but it is what it is. But we're going to have Dari on and uh, talk a lot of real shit. Um, 
So there's a lot of things going on, man. I got to get to some things. We've got a few minutes here to talk that talk. It's Talk That Talk Tuesday. Uh, this is going to be a future guest of, this, of, of the show. She should be on maybe this week, if not next week. Um, if you don't know who this lady is, she's blew up on social media and become a star. But Annie, uh, Annie Agger, uh, actually, I've become close with her. We're pretty good. We talk quite a bit. She came out and said, turns out there are things to do in Cleveland other than getting massages. I, I, I laughed. I thought it was cool, man. You can like her or don't like her. It don't matter. I fucking like that shit. Uh, I, 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 I told her, I said, that shit was comical. And she, she responded and I said, man, come on the show with me. And she said, anytime, anywhere. So I'm going to get her on the show and talk all things, kind of how she blew up on social media overnight, seemingly. Um, and we'll have Annie on. We're going to have Annie on. Um, Taiwan apparently started live firing. If you haven't heard that, when you start to fire live in practice, that means you're getting close to a war. My brother told me that years ago. He was an Air Force fighter pilot. Um, Taiwan begins live fire artillery drill simulating defense against China attack. Um, very interesting to see that. Um, I don't know, man. We're in a fucked up spot. I don't know what's, what, what we're going to do. I don't know what's going on. But uh, we got some interesting things going on here. Um, the world just seems to continue to be fucked up. Apparently, Hillary Clinton, um, she says, Every butter emails, hat or sh- shirt sold helps partners defend democracy. She's making money off of being a criminal. This is the epitome and the fucking Perfect opportunity to show you why I do not like priests and politicians and why I tell you these white-collar criminals get away with murder. They can do whatever they want and fucking reap what they sow over and over and over. These motherfuckers are criminals, man. And you continue to fucking vote for them. (laughs) It is what it is, man. It is what it is. Um, we got another bitch-made cat in the room um, or in the building. Not not in the chat right now, um, but I don't know if you knew. Raekwon Smith or Roquan Smith has requested a trade from the Bears. Apparently, Roquan Smith says he's underappreciated. Oh, fuck. Cry me a fucking river. Cry me a river. We are fucking soft. We want to fucking... We don't like how we're being treated in the NFL making millions. Let me go demand a trade like KD, Kyrie, James Harden, fucking Kyler Murray, fucking all you soft fucks who cry until you get your way. Because we allowed it for so long, this is what they expect. They're fucking cunts, crybabies, and bitch-made cats. That's what they are. Unfucking believable, man. Unfucking believable. It makes no sense. Man, please. Ace said, I wouldn't want to play for Chicago either. Worst roster in the NFL. Really? So you wouldn't want to play in the NFL? See, you're the part of the problem. See, motherfuckers think like you. 
See, it used to be thought that getting on an NFL roster was a fucking privilege, not a right. See, you guys have been turned it into a right instead of a privilege. And it's unfucking believable. It's crazy to me. Um, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, but the Rams actually get players after they fucking leave their team, except for OBJ. They were traded for. Stafford's a cloud chaser? See, you, you just say shit, Keith. Keith, you just say dumb shit. So Stafford didn't pay his dues for 10 years for the worst organization in the world. And he was traded. And he's a clout chaser. <laughs> Aaron Donald's a clout chaser. See, you, you guys just talk. Jalen Ramsey's a clout chaser or did he get traded? Yeah, he might have been a shit bird and a bitch. But you know what? I don't know if he's a clout chaser if the motherfuckers got traded and dealt two teams. I would like to know. Cooper Cup's a clout chaser? Von Miller, maybe, did he come over as a cloud chaser or was he cut by the Broncos? Holy shit. You just say some dumb shit sometimes, homie. God damn, I don't think you think before you speak. You should become a member very, very soon, Keith Westbrook, because I'm going to end up getting rid of you because I think you're just a fucking bot or a troll or whatever the fuck they call him. Um... Speaking of Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald on Josh Allen says he's like a futuristic Big big Ben. A little more athletic, can move a little bit better. But he's a guy that ain't going to go down easy, so you got to come with your big boy pads on when you get to wrap, and you got to wrap him up. Yeah, Josh Allen's running around in practice, running over his own defense, getting into fights and shit. He's that Juco dog. He's got that Juco mentality, dog. That just is what it is. He has the Juco mentality. So, uh... You know, it is what it is. That's what he has. He's the guy. Shit. Um, I don't know if you saw our our boy Biden, dog. He just continues. Biden continues to fucking do some crazy shit. Now our great speaker, our partner, who all of these bills. <laughs> Who's the big brother on the left, though? <laughs> the big brother's out there sweating profusely, homie. Do you see him wiping his fucking face? And then he shook the hand of the motherfucker. I wouldn't have shook your fat ass hand, motherfucker. And why is he out there? I want to know what the brother, who he is, what he's doing. I, I if Shit, if, if we need more brothers in politics, but goddamn. Can we get a motherfucker who ain't about to die from cardiac arrest on the motherfucker and who's not going to sweat out his whole fucking soul? Holy shit. Joe Biden is just fucking retarded at this point, right? He don't understand shit. Uh... He don't know what the fuck he don't know what the fuck he's doing anymore. I'm 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 convinced. Uh, again.
Holy fuck. This motherfucker, man, is unbelievable. Um, these are the best humans we have in America. These are the best motherfuckers we have in America. God damn, dog. You gotta be shitting me. Marshawn Lynch got, uh, Marshawn got arrested for DUI. I saw that. He better get back on them fucking Skittles that are killing motherfuckers instead of that yak. He's on that fucking yak. Um, God damn, man. We're fucked. I'm just telling you. Have you guys seen this latest, this new thing called arm boxing? Have you seen this shit? Жесткие пацаны, на самом деле я даже ничего не говорю, потому что я нахожусь в шоке. Вот такие удары испытывает, которые пижонит, пижонит, да, пижонит Артем. Показывает, что он может упасть от этого. Да, он может упасть. Этот заряжается. О, они решили поговорить очень вовремя. Типа как дома. Нормально, не как в чайхане, еще плова, сейчас чая принесут, нормально будет. Да, 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 да какая-то пауза у них возникла. Наверное, руки забились и уже как-то неудобно бить, скорее ну, да. всего. Подустали, видно. Да, я думаю, руки очень быстро устают. That's pretty interesting. That's gotta be a fucking hard ass sport to play in right there. That has to be a hard fucking sport though, TJ. You gotta be exhausted of that shit. And are they both left-handed? Are they both left-handed? Um, I tell you guys all the time, dog. I'm I'm not wrong when it comes to this quarterback shit. Everybody wants to talk shit about Daniel Jones because he threw a fucking out route out of bounds. Holy shit! Do you understand football and understand coaching? Do you understand that the fucking play was late? It was a practice. And he didn't want to throw a pick, so he just threw it out of bounds to a shitty route that was ran. I just don't know if you've seen the film. But I've told you about Justin Fields. I've told you about Kyler Murray. I've told you about Lamar Jackson. And I've broke them down. Baker Mayfield, shitty. I've told you Carson Wentz, shitty. It's all what it is. But Justin Fields can't throw to save his life. And he's not getting better because he has these personal trainers like Lamar Jackson who don't really coach it up. They really fucking just allow everything to go on because they want to look cute for Instagram. But in the NFL, when guys are wide open, you have to hit them. Okay? Here's a prime example of why Justin Fields is going to continue to struggle like I said he would. I mean, goddamn, dog. He's fucking wide open. He throws fucking five yards out of bounds over his fucking head. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, you don't throw that ball out of bounds. 
that's a touchdown. You don't throw that out of bounds because of a pick six. <laughs> oh, shit. Unfucking believable. Um, do not spit in his face. I need this to happen more. I want to see more of this, okay? I want to see more of this. Don't spit in a motherfucker's face if you can't handle the repercussion. crime if you can't do the time (laughs) that's what the fuck it should have been that's what the fuck it should have been shit crazy as fuck do you know there was a time where we actually would practice at practice to get better you do know that right we practiced our throws To get better as quarterbacks. Because we wanted to win as many Super Bowls as possible. We want to win as many championships as possible. Like Tom Brady. It's funny that I've never seen Tom Brady do behind the back. Fucking all these crazy dumb throws. Even when Aaron Rodgers is fucking around. He's throwing the football with his dominant hand. Overhanded like he's a quarterback. And even though he's got the nose not turning over, he's still throwing it like a quarterback, even though he's fucking around. But behind the back and all this old shit is the biggest gimmicky shit for tweets and likes. Because that's all they care about in this generation, like Mark Kalkovecki just said. They rather they don't really care no more about winning. Mark Kalkovecki fucking cried because he thought he lost the Ryder Cup for the country. Lucky he won. But damn, he lost four holes in a row and was like, I feel the shittiest person in the world. But we don't practice anymore to get better. We already got the bag. We got the bag secured already. So we got the bag secured already. And we don't think we need to get better. And that's kind of the fucking what I have a problem with. And so when I see dumb shit like Patrick Mahomes continuing to do this shit, when he doesn't win and it gets into crunch time and he needs to make a throw that he could have been working on instead of doing this dumb shit, then maybe you'll see why I always call him a gimmicky fuck. So is he going to throw that ball in a game, left-handed or behind the back? And I'm curious to see. I want to see everybody talk about, Coach, he's just fucking around, Coach. Shut the fuck up. Because you don't understand what it takes to be a true professional. That's the fucking deal. 
All you guys think it's cute, though. See, all you tweet, retweet, and like fucks think it's cute. This is a new cute thing. It's not cute because he ain't going to fucking win. Is he, is he going to throw a left-handed fucking left-handed to hit a pole? And, and is that going to win him another Super Bowl? I don't think so, dog. Behind the back? I don't think so. Like, do that shit when you retire. and Like Brad Johnson does. Like fucking Brad Johnson does. He goes around fucking doing these different shoot videos. Like, do that shit when you fucking retire. I don't think Brad Johnson was doing that shit when he was a fucking... So I threw a, I threw a ball left-handed in, in a game, too, by the way. You know when I threw it with my left hand? Devin F., he'd be the first soft fuck to, to, to defend Patrick Mahomes. Here we go. Um, have you seen him throw that ball 45 yards with his left hand in a game, Devin? Shut the fuck up. You know when he threw the ball left-handed? When he had his right jersey grabbed... And he switched the ball to his left hand and threw it to a back in the flat. Just like I did in high school. That don't fucking mean you're going to step, drop back and throw it left-handed 50 yards, you fucking idiot. Start fucking just, stop saying shit and having fucking excuses for excuses. You motherfuckers just want to talk. What did I say? Let me, let me go back to, let me go back to something for you guys. Quote of the day, wise men talk because they have something to say. Fucking idiots talk because they have to say something. See, you motherfuckers just want to say shit. That's what the fucking difference is. I'm actually talking about real tangible shit. You just want to say shit. Coach, he did throw the ball with his left hand in the game. Shut the fuck up, you fucking tar. No shit he did because he got his right jersey snatched and he had to throw it to the fucking flat. He didn't drop back and throw it with his left hand or wrapped around behind his back. God damn. Some of you motherfuckers just talk to talk because you don't know nothing. You've never done shit like you've never done shit, homie, in your life. You don't know what it takes to go out and fucking turn over rocks and get some shit done. So all you know is Twitter and commenting as a keyboard cowardly cunt. You've never done nothing that's fucking tangible or worth a shit. So you only know how to tweet and comment on dumb shit. So you think Patrick Mahomes is cute. You probably like his brother's TikTok dances too, huh, motherfucker? Holy fuck. You should trade Patrick Mahomes' brother to Russia for fucking Brittany Griner's bitch ass. Talk that talk, TJ. Shit. No shit. It ain't talk that talk. It's talk to talk. Some of you motherfuckers, like TJ said. Talk to talk. <laughs> Man, I got some shit I'm going to talk about after after um, my main man comes on. Shout out to Mark Kalkovecchia, man. He was a great, great guest. Great dude, man. Um, Dari Noka is coming on. Um, you're going to learn some shit you probably never learned. Um... You're going to learn some shit you probably haven't learned. 
you're gonna or or didn't know. You're gonna learn some shit today from Dari, and you're gonna find out. It's gonna be very fascinating. I don't know how many of you guys are in the on in the Midwest. God damn. These fucking love bots or whatever. Jada, who are these love bots or whatever the fuck they're called? God dog. This shit is crazy to me. Um, um shit. Man, I tried it, dog. They keep coming back. Jada, you got to come. I got some gear, Jada. I got some girls gear. If you guys haven't heard, I got new gear. So you guys need to head on over to my site, CoachJBStore.com. I got some gear in. Um, If you got to wear a mask, COVID these nuts mask is big time. I got the jersey, the jersey, the slapdick on the back. I got the... I got the tie-dyed shit. I got the slapdick hoodies with, with in the small print. I got the bully sweaters with the slapdick bullies on the side. I got the asshole butt cheeks. <laughs> uh, I got Lucy's porn friend. She's still around. She's chilling. So, yeah, you know, come on over, check it out. Make sure you head on over. CoachJBStore.com. I got some good shit over there. I got girls' bikinis, too, Jada. So, you know, shit, you, the, shit, Jada, short, fat, skinny, and tall, girl, I got it all, come on, man, I got to, let me share it with Jada, let me show you Jada, let me show you Jada, real quick, Jada, let me show you what's cracking here, we got the slapdick U hoodies, electric car D's nuts, we got the tank tops, look at the, the, the bikinis, let me hit, let me click this bikini for you, let me hit the sides. 5X, Jada. Jada, that shit goes to 5X. You ain't that big, girl. You, This shit right here is fire. You got every color, too. You can get it pink, white, all that. Nah, Jada, right there, 5X. It goes up to 5X. So whatever size you need, I got it. Short, fat, skinny, and tall. Look, we got every color, too. Look, we got the ocean blue. See, that's fire. Shit, you could get G-strings if you want, girl. I got it all. Bikinis, we got it all. CoachJBStore.com. You got to check it out. Um, Man, my main man's coming in, man. So uh, without further ado, let me bring my main man in and uh, and introduce him real quick to the audience. Make sure you guys hit the like button, subscribe, become a member. Keep it respectful. Make sure you come on in. And uh, if you have any questions, drop them in there. And I'll make sure I ask... Um, my boy Dari. Dari, what's going on, brother? What's up, JB? Man, good to hear you, man. Can you can you hear me? I can't. Can you hear me okay? Nah, it's cutting out. Yeah, All right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're muted. I think you got it on mute. How about now? There you go. Can you hear me okay? Got you now. Perfect. All right. Cool, bro. Cool. Perfect. Sorry perfect. about that. Man, let me introduce you. So, Dari, so I don't want to screw it up, man, because I hate screwing up names. Is, is it Noka? 
dude, you nailed it. Man, all right, all right. Hey, I didn't shit, time. man. I, 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 hey, being a recruiter forever, man, recruiting kids from all walks. I'm like, I, I, I used to be good with name. I had to, I had to try to learn the name, especially recruiting a parent or something. I'm like, man, let me go, let me go phonetically look this up. So <laughs> I had to do it. What's going on, man? I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Listen, dude, I, I, uh, I've enjoyed you since Indy. I, I watched it, man. It's funny. Uh, my buddy Booger McFarland. Okay, you know, I, I know you know who Boog is, right? So I used to work with Boog. He used to be with us at SEC Network. And and he watched the first last chance you, the one in Mississippi, right? And so he used to always imitate that coach. He used to talk about that coach all the time, right? So then I'm like two years late on it. So I rip through that series and watch it. Then I see yours. And I'm like, oh my God, Boog, th- this guy, this guy's so much better than the other guy. And it, man, I loved it. I loved the heck out of it. I love the whole hate me now, love me later, man. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. I remember, like, I remember when you got, you were suspended and you were chilling in my hometown of Tulsa watching Indy play a game on a TV because Tulsa's not that far from Indy. So, anyway, man. Long way to say I enjoy I enjoy watching you, man. It's, hey, it's, man, it's I appreciate it, man. I got I got some good friends of your colleagues of yours too, man. Like uh, you know Matt Barry's a good friend of mine, uh, yeah. Mark Jones, um, Michael Collins. So I talk to all those guys quite a bit. I uh, get to hang out with them here and there. Mark's been on the show. Mark's been over the house. I, his son performed for me. So those are good dudes, man. Yeah, Mark bought a house out here now near me. So he's out here uh, since he got with the. Kings, he's out here in L.A., bought a house out here in the Marina Del Rey area. So we talk frequently, man. But going back to Tulsa, man, I saw you're from Tulsa and Union High representative, huh? Yeah, yeah, I am, man. Ninety Class of 94. You know, it's a football factor. I didn't play it, shockingly enough, with my 5'8", <laughs> 160-pound frame. But, uh, you know, that's, there's some good high school football that Union, Jinx, Owasso, Broken Arrow. I know you you probably got familiar with those places. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into it with you, too, because I love, uh, man, I love Tulsa. I love Tulsa, number one. Um, so let me let me introduce you. So you're, are you are you a lead host at SEC Network or just a host or lead yeah, host? So lead, lead, lead anchor, lead host, SEC Network. Yeah, so I was in. I was in Bristol for seven years. I did Sports Center up in Connecticut, moved down to Charlotte, where I am now. Took over a uh, like lead job, SEC Network, and that's where I've been. Uh, I've, I've been with the company eighteen years, so it's it's been a good run there. No, no doubt, man, no doubt. Um, yeah. So, so you classics, all right? That's the cigar bar downtown Tulsa, and uh, okay. that's okay. right there. And classics is one of my favorite in the country, man. Uh, got a full bar, cigars, a huge humidor. Owner's a good dude. Um, so great dude. He carries my whiskey now. He's got my cigars. He'll have my new cigars here shortly when I get when they come out in about two weeks. Um, and then Nola's. I don't know if you go to Nola's. Nola's is uh the probably the best ribs I've ever had in my life. It's kind of in Midtown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of on that. What is that? Cherry and Cherry Street. Yeah, yeah. right in there. All the bars yeah. right on that street. Brookside, Brookside area. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where all the bars yeah. are and everything. Yeah. All the restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, right. Nola's, brother. If you haven't been back. Yeah. Yeah. I got you, man. Go check out Nola's. So it has changed a lot. I I haven't lived there in 20 years, but I mean, like when I knew growing up there, JB, downtown was awful. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was was deserted. Like there was nothing. And then finally started growing a little bit and and, and it's actually become kind of cool, but. And I'm I'm not, now I'm an old guy with four kids. Like you know, heck, I mean, I live in a great city in Charlotte. I don't know anything about like the cool stuff there. You know, it's right. 
Right. It's weird. We hit the same the same family restaurants over and over. And we're the same age, right? We're forty six. You forty six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In June, I turned it. Yeah. You got the same birthday, man. I looked you up. You're the twenty third. Yes. My my best friend's the twenty third, man. So it's crazy. Yeah. It's <laughs> That's funny. funny, man. Yeah, yeah, it's funny shit, man. Uh, so so let me ask you, man. Yeah. Are you a Dodger fan? I am a Dodger fan. So I saw yes. it, man, and yeah. I'm just like, Tulsa, Charlotte to L.A. Dodger fan. I'm a Dodger yeah. fan. I grew up, obviously, Laker, yeah. Dodger, King, what, you name it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What, what, what got you to be a Dodger fan? So I grew up a Dodgers and a Kings fan. So I, I, uh, so I got an uncle that I'm incredibly close to. It's actually his birthday today. I need to call him. He is, uh, he, he's lived in L.A. since I was like two years old. And so... That's where we would go take our vacation. So from the time I was like six years old on, we'd go to L.A. and he'd take me to Dodger games. So the first baseball I ever really got to see, probably the first 10 baseball games I ever got to see were at Dodger Stadium. So wow. I, I just naturally became a fan. Like in the mid-80s, I became a Dodger fan. So I'll never forget going to game two of the NLCS. My mom pulled me out of school out of seventh grade in 88. Surprise trip. Flew out to L.A. from Tulsa. Went to game two against the Mets, flew back the next morning. It was really thing ever. So I've been, yeah, I've been a Dodger fan my whole life. Yep. Damn, that was a Lenny Dykstra led Mets, huh? That was Daryl. Strawberry. Hey, Crenshaw, great. Crenshaw High School right here in LA, man. Oh, yeah, man. Your story fascinates me. I'm going to get, see, I do radio on ESPN radio with Mel Kuypers, Dari and Mel on ESPN radio. I got to get you on, man. I, how you come out of South Central to do what you've done, Compton, and like uh, Compton, yes, and and that's crazy to me, man. It's you know Marcellus Wiley, another guy. Now is he Compton or South Central? Compton. Like, we grew up together, so you grew up together. Marcellus right? will be on my show Friday. Um, so oh, wow. he's been on before. We grew up together, man. We're always we always get to get get together. We see each other quite a bit, but yeah, he's Compton as well, man. He went from Compton to Columbia. I uh, know, crazy. So, Think about that. Were you guys together at ESPN back then? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I used to work with him. So we did a show called Sports Nation for a while. Yeah. I would jump in and co-host that with him a lot. And he's a great dude, man. I love that. Nah, guy. he he's is, dude. Great now, you know? He is. He is. He had Max and Marcellus for a while, right? Yes, that's right. Max and Marcellus. Yeah, Max is out there, too. I don't. Oh, no, that was Kellerman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kellerman's doing great. I yeah. mean, Marcellus is out your way now doing great. Now nah, that'd be big because I just had my 10th first rounder drafted Jermaine Johnson, who's with the Jets. Um, and I got, what, 28 in the league. I had my 10th first rounder drafted. So, like, that'd be good if if, if I'd get on with you and, and uh, Mel Kuyper. That'd be huge. Um, that'd be fun, man. Yeah, that'd be, be fun. fun. Yeah. What, uh, so what got you in this profession, man? Did you, so did you play sports growing up or just an avid fan or what? I was basically an avid fan, man. I mean, I was I w I played everything except football, but uh, I, I was a, I wanted to be a you know baseball player, and I played rec ball basically, you know, like all the way through high school. I was never good enough to to play at any level whatsoever. So, but I was a, I was a sports junkie, man. Like I, uh, I I don't know if you remember when you were in Tulsa. I'm trying to think, or when you were in Indy. I think he'd already retired, but. They had a guy named Big Al Jerkins at Channel 2. Yeah. And, and he was like a sportscaster. And when I was a freshman in high school, I called up the station. I said, I just want to follow you for a day. Like, can I come in and just hang out for a day? And Big Al was like, man, he was a legend in Tulsa. He let me do it. Uh, I loved it. I watched him. I hung out with him. I watched him write the show. I went and watched a, him record a drill, shoot a drillers game on the camera, like come back, edit it, you name it. And, and that's what I wanted to do. So when I went to college, I went to OU. 
Um, I was a broadcast journalism major, got out eventually, I, I, four years, got out, took my first job in a little tiny station in Northwest Montana, JB, a place called Kalispell, Montana. You start small and you work your way up. And Hell from yeah. there I went to Lincoln, Nebraska. Then I went back. I worked in my hometown of Tulsa for a couple of years. And then in 04, got a chance to go to ESPN. So, wow. So you, you moved up the ranks for sure. Um, let me put in your deal here. Your your Twitter is uh, at Dar- ESPN Dari, right? Yep. Yep. That's it. Um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this link down here for everybody to follow. Make sure everybody in the comments down at the bottom, you can see uh, I put a little descriptive of them, uh, of Dari. Um, follow him on Twitter at ESPN Dari so you guys can know what he does and who he is, man. Uh, great, great dude. What, what, uh, so you got into this deal. I got a question, and I, and I, and I hate to be offensive if I am. It's not offensive, but. You're not going to offend me, man. You're good. So there's people out there that never played. Um, you said you never played. You, you were an avid fan. Yeah. You, Stephen A., a lot of these different guys have Heisman votes, correct? Correct, yeah. So how do you feel about that? Do you do you feel like, screw you, I know what the hell I'm doing, and tell the naysayers out there that, that yeah. think that I don't know what I'm doing, I have, I have a, a common knowledge of this thing, or do you think yeah. – do you agree that, say, some people think that, okay, well, if you haven't played the position, you don't deserve to know really on the day-to-day what happens? Because this is how I take it. I kind of equate it to coaches that never played coaching NFL. There's only there's been a, a few. Lot of them. Charlie a lot Weiss. Of them. There's been a KU's old coach, uh, Mangino, never played. Um, yeah. You got a few guys that didn't play. And I've never really – Mike Leach, another one. Yeah. You know, he's a law student right here at Pepperdine here in L.A. Like, yeah. what, like, do you, what is your take? I'm interested to know, and, and no right, yeah. wrong, or indifferent, but, like, yeah. do you think you, you're you okay and you know enough to make a, a sound judgment on a Heisman candidate um, versus a guy that a lot of people think players, former players, should be the, the Heisman voters, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I don't agree yeah. with either, by the way. So I'm just trying to figure out a common ground. What do you – how – how did you get into that? First of all, how did you get a vote? And then how's that process work? Yeah, so uh, I never thought about having a Heisman vote uh, until a guy by the name of Brett McMurphy, who was yeah. a college football reporter for us, right? And he, he's not with us still, but he's still doing it. And he's awesome. And in fact, I was just texting with him today. Um, great guy. And uh, he knew uh, the guy that basically doles out the Heisman votes. He goes, hey, I think there's an, a couple openings this year. You want me to throw your name out there? And he did. And the guy emailed me back, and uh, it was it was that it was that easy. So I love the question, though, and I think it's more than fair. Um, you know, I also I, I know this, I get, and I get your point. And and look, I, I couldn't JB, I couldn't go out and pretend to run an offense. Okay, I'm not Mike Leach with this this mindset of like looking across and how can my eleven outnumber their eleven, and how can I get mismatches and doing that kind of X's and O's. Could never do it. I don't ever want to talk X's and O's. Right. So, uh, but, but if I'm voting for a Heisman trophy, I've watched enough football in my life to feel like I have a pretty good idea of who the most outstanding player in college football in a given season is. And I also know this, I've known over the years, plenty of guys that played and coached that watch and pay attention to so little of it. I wouldn't want them to have a vote just because they played and coached because they may marginally pay attention. Yet every single Saturday, Thursday, Monday on Labor Day, whenever there's games, 
I'm doing my best to pay attention to what's going on coast to coast, not just in the SEC where I, I, I focus, you know, primarily. So I think it can go both ways. Like I wouldn't hire me to call plays and run an offense, but I think that I've spent my entire life enough around sports to have a little bit of an idea enough to say, I think that dude is a better player than that dude. So I'm going to vote him first and him second and I'll vote him third, you know, or whatever. So, I mean, I guess if that's answering the question. No, no, it is. Um, Let me, let me do a flip side. So the, the parts of the, the parts that I see other guys with voting that I'm looking at, I'm like, well, you know, not so much like Condoleezza Rice, why she's on the committee as far as the BCS, but, but like, do, do you think it's fair to ask? Like, people don't understand. Like, there is a every day-to-day scenario changes for day-to-day uh, activities with these kids. Now, whether where they come from, how they are in the locker room compared to what they have to do on a day-to-day between studies, do they even eat during the day? The day-to-day operations of a kid, I think, plays a huge instrumental role on the fact that you don't really know, not you in particular, but people don't know what they really have to go through every day, and now we're voting for them to be a Heisman Trophy winner, which is arguably one of the most prestigious awards in the world, right? Um, and do you think that has a takes a play in that? Like, do you do you do you do any other research to dig deep and say, all right, man, this kid's mom just passed, and she he's raising the son or his own brother, by the way, also in the middle of a Heisman campaign, like. Right. Those things matter as a player, you know what I'm saying, or or as a coach having that having that thumb on uh, on the heartbeat of the team or that individual. So that shit kind of matters too. But is that even coming to roll, or are we just saying, you know what, he he had the best game, but but against Michigan he struggled, and that's actually the day that he had to take over his uh, his baby brother because his mom died. So like little things like that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, and you know what, man, we're only privy to to sure. what we're privy to, right? Sure. I mean, so. You know, I, I think over the course of the college football season, a lot of those types of stories probably come out and are told and become public knowledge. Um, but in reality, no. I mean, we're we're I can watch his performance against Michigan. And and if he wasn't good that day and he's been good every other game, that might not matter. If he sucked against Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State in the three biggest games that they would have played, whether or not he had something going on on the side. Sure. Then that's going to impact him. I mean, we only know what we know, you know, and, sure. and we're looking for what I feel, at least what I would like to see is, is a, a consistent performance and really peaking at times in the biggest games of the season. And no doubt. How, how much West Coast, East Coast bias do you see, like as far as the voters go, not, not only Heisman, but just on the polls, just on the, on the rankings, like right now, Alabama's one. Uh, they got Ohio State two, Georgia three. I think. What? Yeah. How do you see the bias? Because I I know for as a basketball growing up a UCLA fan, UCLA would be number one the whole time. Ninety five run. My my buddies I played high school with Ed Charles O'Bannon. You know UCLA oh, goes on a run. They only end. I think they lost two games. They lose to Oregon late in the season. Clearly the best team all year. They lose late. They drop from one to like five. Right and. Yeah. On the East Coast, you know, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, they've lost two already. Uh, th- they drop late in the season. They drop one spot. Um, is that based on just, you know, the the fact that you don't get eyes on it because we're starting at 7, it's 10 o'clock out there in Charlotte, and it's hard to get those guys on there? And, and is, that a, is, that a, is that a thing, or do you say no? I, no, it's probably a thing. I mean, I – 
you know, I, I, I'll tell you this, like, I know in the, the, the seven years I was up in Bristol and doing Sports Center, and I was sitting in meeting, I was doing college basketball shows, college football shows, Sports Center, NFL shows. You know, I'll be honest, man, there, there was never, ever a time where anybody ever suggested that what happens on the East needs to take precedent on what happens on the West. But in, in reality, like, when you're on the East Coast or even in Central Time Zone where I grew up and where obviously you spent time, you you see what you can see right so like for instance i got kids i might get up at six o'clock jb it's hard for me to stay up until 1 a.m to watch the end of no oregon doubt. state wazoo no like doubt. i can't no do doubt. it right so so then you're really dependent upon articles watching highlights or videos the next day reading what you can read if you have time to do it in your day which isn't always the easiest thing in the world so you know like there's so much of the population from the Mississippi river East that there probably is just by human nature, a little bit of that bias. The other side of it though, is like, nobody's going to be able to tell us right now that in the world of college football, the PAC 12 is really close or deserves nearly the same respect as the sec or the big 10 does. And so look, if Utah, it goes out and they start number seven, and they lose a game and they fall to six and one and they lose to Washington state. That's going to ding the hell out of them a lot more than let's say no Alabama losing, losing to Georgia. Georgia or yeah. losing to Ole Miss. We'll no doubt. That, you know? No doubt. And I, I'm with you. I, the, the PAC 12 used to be relevant. They, they just have got even the Oregon, you know, I did my top five brands the other day. Not, 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 not team, not programs that are winning every year. I'm just talking about brands. And I got Alabama, Michigan, Texas, SC, and Ohio State in there, right? And okay. just as brands. And everybody's pissed at me that Notre Dame's not in there. And everybody's pissed that Oregon's not in there. And I'm like, let me tell you something. Oregon's not a household brand yet. They're, Nike's the brand, not Oregon. And I said, yeah. there's a huge difference in those things. I, and, and people didn't know the criteria because they just see it on Twitter. So, you know, I break down the criteria as far as it, it, it's resources, facilities, coachings, their salaries of the coaches, the the deals that these kids are getting, plus winning and, and getting kids. How many NFL guys have those five fr- places got into the league right now? They got more kids playing in the NFL right now than even the good teams like Oregon, Oklahoma that are kind of relevant, but... To me, they're not brands. Like they, those are brands. Notre Dame can be an argument, probably number six with me. But again, you know they haven't really won a meaningful game since Lou Holtz. I mean, let's be honest. And, and, and not <laughs> that these other teams have. Yeah, yeah, not that Texas or Michigan has either. Right, but you know, right, right, yeah. Michigan's got Jordan now, and they, they've they've been relevant more recent than Notre Dame, basically last year. But. Notre Dame continues to go BCS and just get molly whopped, just like Oklahoma does, really. So, I mean, yeah. it is what it is, man. I just like – it's always – somebody's always going to be right and you're always going to be wrong. It don't matter. So, especially but according Jay, to Twitter. But you got a show and a microphone, so you're going to be right more than they were. <laughs> hey, hey, it's like coaching, man. They say the last one with the pin wins. Um, hey, are you ever going to coach anywhere again? What's the deal? I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have, like, a burning desire right now because of the state of – what's going on and i don't know if i could deal like i talked to sark and lane and all my buddies all the time and i'm just like dude i i don't know if i could if uh 
Like, I'm telling you right now, there, and I'll talk to you off the record, man, and tell you guys, but there's been guys that are telling me, like, JB, we were getting the hell out of here. Like, we may want to get out of the profession sooner than later if it's going to continue on this. Uh, if it's if it's going to yeah. continue on this platform and we're going to go, we're going to, you know, highest bidder gets the kid and, and, and you can transfer four times in four years. And if you want to do all this crap and get, and it's okay, you know, we don't know if we're going to continue to do this because yeah. Yeah. there was no loyalty in this business, Dari, back in the day. Now just times that by a thousand yeah. and, and yeah. you got to committed and decommitted, which isn't even a real word. And then I, I'm going to go put on 10 hats at the podium to, I'm going to have Georgia, Florida, and then I'm going to take yeah. it off and put like, it's a joke. It's become a mockery of the game itself, in my opinion. And I think the respect factor is, you know, Dar, you either allow it or you coach it. And I think that goes for anything in life, whether you're a CEO of a company, Fortune 500, or if you're a car salesman, um, you either allow what's going on or you coach it. And uh, I think the parents, the administrators, the coaches, even at the high school level, college level now, we allow it so much, so long, it's just kind of imploding on ourselves. And I think, I don't know if we can ever get out of the hole we're in, but... I don't know to answer your question if I if I could see me doing it right now just because of the fact that uh, I don't know I've had like ten of my kids from the show on on this show the last few few weeks and uh, and then you know I'll, the chat always asks like what do you can you say something about coach that nobody knows on the show and and they're all like man you guys got Molly you guys got uh, hoodwinked on that show like you know you you see. what nine, they they filmed us thirty nine hundred hours you got to see sixteen hours in two years. 3,900 hours? Oh, yeah, because they filmed me basically for three years. Damn, man. So, I don't know. Jeez. It's just one of those things, man. You know how it is. Ratings get – it's all about ratings and yeah. um, shit like that. So, you know, it is what it is, but um, I don't know. what what What's your take on the rules nowadays, like, as far as targeting? I got, a, I got an interesting question. Do you think the refs should train differently to understand the biomechanics better and understand that Probably. maybe a human running damn 20 miles an hour with 12 pounds of gear on yeah. can't yeah. stop like this. <laughs> That's right. That and, and, and like sitting in studio with, with Doring and Chiswick over the last few years and Ben Watson and, and those guys, Roman Harper, like, I mean, it's <laughs> anytime a targeting is called where somebody that has played the game at a high level says, what else was he supposed to do? Yeah. That's probably a call that needs to be You're right. looked at closely. If there's nothing else he could have done, then it probably shouldn't have been targeted, right? I mean, I know that sounds simple and none of it's that simple, but yes, I mean, look, they, first of all, they change the rules every year, right? So then you go head or neck with intent and malice and blah, 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 and launching and all that. Like, if something changes with it every year. So first of all, we can't get any consistency, but second of all, there are far too many instances where it's, what else was he supposed to do? Nah, you know? That's a good point. You know, this is the thing I, I kind of equated to my question to you about the Heisman and, and then the coaches that had never played coaching. Like, referees, I don't believe, understand that these guys, basically 11 months out of a year, who who most of them, if you're in Alabama or Clemson as of recent, you're, you're, you're basically missing Thanksgiving, Christmas, and possibly New Year's with your family. So you're giving up those holidays. You're gone all summer. You're gone basically any time that you could think about taking a vacation with a family to dedicate yourself to do this. And to me, for a referee to take away an opportunity for NFL game film by suspending you for a, a, a call that you just can't 
mechanically or biologically avoid, uh, biomechanically avoid, uh, is just, to me, kind of a slap in the face. Like, these refs do not know what you go through 12 months out the year. They don't know the sacrifice you've done leaving your family or what have you. And then for you to take a game film away, which is crucial in your world, even talking to Mel Kuyper, I'm sure Mel Kuyper has to say, okay, this guy missed three games, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State because of a targeting yeah. violation. Right, How right, are right. we evaluating him to get drafted in the first round? And I would love to ask Mel that. Is that really something that goes into play? I don't know. That's It's, it's a good question. I mean, so there's the rule. There's enforcing it consistently. There's negate. They're getting rid of the idea that he could have done something about it. But then that's the other thing is the suspension, right? How much is too much? Is it too harsh? Are there levels of targeting? Like it can't be, they can't all be the same, right? So there's got to be a, however, if you've got a score, level five targeting, level two targeting, maybe nothing below a level three gets a suspension, or maybe it's just the rest of that half. There's nothing in the second half, or there's nothing missing in the first half of the next game. There's maybe, again, based on perceived intent, based on launch, based on where you hit them, could you have avoided it? There's a scale. But, dude, I mean, like, do we think that every official is going to employ that scale the same? No chance. No doubt. Like, does every home plate umpire have the exact same strike zone? No, of course not. So (laughs) even that's going to be up to interpretation, right? No doubt. I just had a golfing legend on right before you, Mark Kalkovecchia, man. Um, lives out in Florida. What? How do? You, what's your take on the live PJ deal, <laughs> dude? If somebody offered me, <laughs> I, I mean, same as what? What would you? That's all you gotta say. You don't even gotta say shit else. Like forward. If somebody offered me, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I, like, seriously, I don't understand how people can't fathom that. How did hey? And I know that Tigers made a lot, but if that story is true, and he turned down seven hundred to eight hundred million dollars, holy cow, man! Like I, I'm gonna I'm give you a little insight. I t- Pat Perez, a good friend of mine, I, I'm going to see him here to, shortly. He's just, he came down to San Diego for the week with the family. Uh, the reason he turned down eight hundred million because somebody else gave it to him. That's the only way in the world he does that, and and that just is mind boggling, isn't it? Yeah. I was gonna say, imagine being able to say no to that, JB. Uh, <laughs> just being able to, even even having to take that offer and ponder it for a, a half a second. Yeah, like uh, yeah. nah, good. Yeah. I'm good, man. Must uh, be nice. What's your take on the transfer portal and this whole NIL thing? Okay, so you kind of alluded to, to this in another conversation earlier. Like, what what choice do I have? Right. So in my job, I'm gonna know the roster as the roster is currently constructed, however the heck it was currently constructed. Like in a perfect world, in a perfect world, we don't use financial inducements to recruit. That's the way it was designed. It's not the way that it's going. It's obvious people are using money, these buckets of money or collectives or whatever they call them to recruit. That was never the design. I love the idea of players getting theirs. I'm sure you love the idea of players getting theirs, but like get theirs when they've gotten there and earned theirs, not just by what they did in high school. I, I, JB, I worry a little bit about what's going to happen in 10th grade, 9th grade, 8th grade. What's going to happen in 6th grade when the greedy dad knows that his kid's a pretty good quarterback and is already seeing dollar signs for himself through his 11-year-old quarterback 
who he thinks because of politics and the head coach is not giving him enough time in sixth grade. So how in the world is he going to advance to be a good seventh grade quarterback and then a great eighth grade quarterback and then be the next Arch Manning or the dude out your way that's going to Tennessee for however many minutes? Like, Nico, yeah. Right, right, Nico. Yeah, so, I mean, where's like uh, – this is – I think I just think it's going to have a really scary trickle down. I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in that tube. I really have no idea. We got to accept that I love college football. I love college basketball. I love college sports. I'm going to continue to do it. Um, I have far more passion for the college game than the pro game in virtually every sport whatsoever. So no doubt, like I just got to adjust to it, man. You, you know, I don't love it. See, I don't love it. I don't like all the transferring, but look, coaches can leave at the drop of a hat. So I kind of understand that too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole other debate. We I've had that with other people too. I, you know, I'm at the point where like, uh, cause I think we've become so enabled of our kids and we don't, we, we allow so much to happen with them. I think they become kind of the controller now of the narrative because they, some make more money than the coach um, in the college level now. And then at the high school level, coaches kiss their butt so they don't transfer high schools on them. And it really hurts them in the long run. And then the parents are just, they're just allowing whatever. We're not, we're not coaching anything. And, and, and I look at it like this. I think we've given the kids the keys to the, the Porsche before we ever taught them how to drive. And that is the reason I don't agree with the kids being able to transfer as much as a coach leaving. Because, Daria, if you got offered to be the lead announcer for the live with Charles Barkley and they gave you $200 million and you left – and then a kid that you had on your, you know, your 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 intern, um, you know, he he leaves because you left. I don't think it equates for this fact. You have you're 46. You've earned the right to earn that money for your family because you've paid bills, you've paid mortgages, you've gone through college, you've put kids through college. The kid has yet to understand what it really is to make a mortgage payment or put a kid through school or pay a light bill. I think at some point we have to figure out, okay, we have to teach these kids how to toughen their skin and make and and work, you know, live, you know, uh, earn their keep, so to speak. Uh, before we just say, here, here's the keys. That is why I don't agree they should be able to transfer at will like they are right now, and I never have. And that is my argument to what everyone's going to say. Well, the coach can leave, but that goes right. for any job. Any job, right? So you get one. You get one freebie. Without so sitting out. Right. But although there are kids that you'll see that are in year five and they've been to three or four different places. Oh. So, But you get one freebie. You got to sit the rest. So there's some punishment there unless you're a grad student and well done right you've got your degree good for you go go do what you need to do but i get it so that the debate though is like basic simple human rights right so morals right so we don't like or i don't like and i'm like choking to death so i probably got to run in a minute anyway i got baby up there. yeah yeah definitely but like i don't I don't love a kid getting $6 million to go to a university, right? I hate it. I hate it because, and I do, I I get worried. Like, what's he going to do with that? Like after one year, how much of that's going to be left? Is he going to be responsible with it? Is it going to teach him bad things? I mean, Steve Howell, I got to know Steve Howell, great, you know, the Dodger pitcher and ended up passing away when he lived in Montana, when I lived in Montana and I got to know him really well. And I remember he told me, and this was in like 1981 when he, was a rookie. He said, Dari, a professional franchise moved me to Los Angeles at 18 years old and put a couple of million dollars in my wall, in my bank account. What was I supposed to do? 
And I get it. And that's scary to think about kids in that situation. And now millions, millions, excuse me real quick. Yeah, definitely. But how do we say they can't make money? How do we say that all their hard work through the years cannot financially benefit them when a chemistry major can go work at Chili's and he can make money, right? So there's the quandary. Nah, no we doubt. love it because it, it's going to create more haves and haves nots in college football and distort our sport that we love. But he's a human being that has a right to make money the same way that any of us do. And if his market value is determined to be $7.5 million, however it's determined to be that, JB, who are we to tell him he can't do it? Nah, no, no doubt. I agree. I, I know you got to get out of here. What? Wh- who's your Who's your sleeper in the SEC this year? Oh, good, man. Good question. Um, Arkansas, honestly. Okay. I think Arkansas is really good. I, I don't know that they can win the West. I think they can finish second. They get Bama at home. Wouldn't shock me to death if they beat him. A lot of experience back. We love Sam Pittman. I think everybody loves what he's done there. Um, so I, I would say my sleeper would be would be them. In, That's in a the good West. pick. And I, yeah, and I don't know about the East. I don't love anybody outside of Georgia, to be honest. I think Kentucky could be interesting, but I think Arkansas overall, look out. Yeah, I coached Nico, and I and Nico's dad played junior college with me in Compton. Oh. So, yeah, I know the family nice. well. Nice. Yeah, good kid, good kid, man. Um Hey, so last thing, man, I'm going to let everybody know. Uh, Hayden's Hope, that's your deal, right? Oh, yes, dude, I appreciate that. Yes, that's hey, my I, deal. I don't know if anybody day. knows. I know you had the, probably the worst scenario that possibly can face a father uh, losing your losing your baby. Um, and I know yeah. you came together with this Children's Organ Transplant Association. Can you kind of break it down and everybody in the, in the room? I put the website on the bottom, so anyone in the room, please thank follow you. and pay attention. Yes, thank you, Hayden'sHope.org. Yep, you got it. Uh, it's just HaydenSoap.org is the website. And what we do is, in honor of our son who passed away at 39 days old, uh, he needed a heart transplant. He was born healthy, JB. Then he got sick, and it ended up causing him to need a transplant, which he didn't get. Um, what we did is we immediately teamed up with Children's Organ Transplant, and every dollar that is raised through Hayden's Hope, because they operate, they run the operating costs. Anything that comes to our, our arm of this, Hayden's Hope, goes right to families of children who are awaiting a life-saving organ transplant. So over the years, in his name, we've raised uh, about $320,000, $330,000. We've helped 60, 70 families coast to coast, uh, not just here in North Carolina, not just in Oklahoma, where I'm from, all over the country. So Haydenshope.org uh, is the website. Got you. And I just put it yeah, in there. I appreciate you. I appreciate you for that. Uh, no doubt. No doubt, man. I, You know, like I said, I, I always say that every day is an interview and I looked up some things and I just saw that and I was like, shit. And I know how it is. My dad passed from cancer in 05 and, and uh, dealing with that stuff. My mom was a doctor growing up. So, um it's interesting. Tough luck, man. I, I, I'm glad you recovered, and I, I wish you and the family well. And I thank you. I couldn't thank you enough for coming on the show, man. Oh, dude, I, I've enjoyed it, man. Like I said, always enjoyed you. And, and uh, man, let's keep in touch. No doubt. We'll have to do it again, man. Enjoy the family, yeah. man, and uh, appreciate you, man. And, and uh, best of luck this year. All right, JB, keep it rocking, man. All right, Good brother. Year. Thank you. Great guest, man. I appreciate Dari for joining us. Um, check out that HaydensHope.org. Uh, he had a five-year-old kid that passed away, man, one of his own sons. So that was a, I knew the story and, uh, I just had to bring it up. Um, 
And uh, appreciate all you guys checking that out. Jeremiah, I was going to like to let you talk to him, man, but uh, I know you had to get out of there. And uh, and I, I was way past the time that we agreed on. I, I fucking apologize. So, um, But I'll get him on the show again. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, good guest, man. Great guest to have on today. A couple guys, Mark Kalkovecki, Adari. Um, shout out to all of them for coming on. And, uh this uh, Talk That Talk Tuesday, man, has been terrific. I'm going to end it on that note on the audio side. Tomorrow we'll be back for Work Boot Wednesday. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Dontrell Willis, former Cy Young, uh, a Major League Baseball World Series champ. Um, the D-Train, he'll be on the show tomorrow right at 1 o'clock. So, um, if you, uh, so I'll make sure you get on live if you want to catch that one with Dontrell. And then um, right after Don Trail, we will have uh, Matt Lombardo on. He, he runs an NFL column. Um, he's a big wig on ESPN. Uh, go on Twitter, follow him. He'll be on. We'll talk all things football as we get closer and closer to football. So um, I appreciate everybody coming on in. And like I said, uh, I'll see you tomorrow for Work Boot Wednesday. Make sure you head on over to CanadaDipsCBD.com. Use the promo code COACHJB, all caps, and get you some. Holler at you guys tomorrow. Peace. Yeah, yeah. Transform you in the I hate a storm, Hail Mary's, I make it poor. Good, I ain't lying. You little giants, we been defying. I 